ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the co-optional optional podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Optionally, we lose two thirds of our hosts. It's okay. We'll make this happen. Oh my! Thank you to the entire cast of the Roundtable for joining us on the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome! Thank Hello. you for having us. Yeah, well, hopefully the four of us can make up for the two people that are missing. Oh, mm. trust me, that won't be a problem. <laughs> that should be absolutely fine on all accounts. We're also playing uh, the "Let's Host a Podcast While One of Your Two Monitors Is Dead" game, which is really right. fun, fitting everything on one screen, regardless of the size of that screen. So that was great. That was a Always fun a thing to come back to. Yeah, it's, I think that moment lasts me about two and a half years. So weird flickering was happening uh, just before I left, and I thought, all right, maybe just my DisplayPort cable got damaged or something along those lines. Nah, I just died. Like I tried to turn it back on when it came back. Nope, dead, completely dead. Don't know what's dead with it, but well, that's gone. But that's okay because that means I can move up from 144 hertz to 165 hertz. Oh, goodness, the, the dream is real. Huge. Finally. Huge oh 21 hertz difference. And you, and then people ask, well, could you tell the difference? And I'll be just like this smug, like, like oh, of course I can. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe From your untrained eye doesn't see. It, but, to, oh. to the eye of a casual person, perhaps. <laughs> but now it's like, that's not going to make a difference. But it is nice. It's There's a lovely little monitor, and I say little because it'll be expensive as fuck coming out soon. I think it's mm. the Predator X27. It's literally the holy grail of gaming monitors. It's going to be 4K. Oh, 144 hertz is going to have hdr which i think would make it one of the first monitors to have true hdr and it's got g-sync in it and it's got background leds and a bunch of other stuff i'm like that basically this is the perfect monitor in every way and it's not available yet and i just like this is annoying because i know that when it it's going to show up like a week after i buy my new monitor isn't it and then gonna, <laughs> <laughs> i'm never going to be happy again I like how they named it as if it was like a Lockheed Martin cruise missile or something like that. <laughs> Predator X-27. I know, it's so aggressive. The, the <laughs> bold lettering on the bottom, it really puts you in your place, man. This is the Predator. It really does. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's very gamer, isn't it? You know, you yes. get it, the sharp angles and the obsession with RGB lighting and such these days. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty silly. No doubt about that. But hey, never mind. So are we. <laughs> We are. That is true. It's not like we don't give them all the excuse they could possibly need for making these stupid products. Because we do. All Can the we time. Yes, we, yeah, we absolutely yeah. do. <laughs> we buy chairs because they say they're gamer chairs, even though they're just not. We buy gamer yeah. headsets, gamer microphones, gamer... Was it gamer gunk? Or gamer gear? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, yeah. It's a classic, to be honest. That will, that is a, that's a fine work of art that I don't think is ever going to be topped by him or anybody else, frankly. <laughs> Regardless of like, that. Sorry, one land that I went to, there was like a, a table full of these gamer wipes, which I'm pretty sure gamer were just wipes. Like index wipes, but they were, like, you know, gamer wipes for your monitors and for your console. Has free. anybody yeah. made like gamer deodorant? Oh, I wish a, they like had. I feel like that's a... <laughs> They were, giving away, they were giving away Old Spice at the Twitch booth at the last PAX. I thought they were kind of positioning smart. that way. Yeah, MLG's this, uh, done the same thing as well. Well, actually, I think it was Old Spice that was sponsoring that. Yeah. Uh, they were just giving it away as like, take the hint, please. Everybody around you. Bags of Doritos, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It, that, is, that is the one thing that people still have not quite gotten the hang of, and that's personal hygiene at those events, which is a bit unfortunate. 
Uh, so I, I hope people sort of get that idea. It's lovely to be around them. It's just, it's your aura that's a problem. And people in your are... backpack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's a thing. It's just you've, you've just got to grin and bear it. A lot of hand sanitizer. Change your clothes after the hugs because of the sweat has transferred from mm-hmm. the person to you. But showering's yeah. nice too. I don't get it. It is. Like, it's a fun activity. A not, you know, you could do all sorts of cool things in a shower. <laughs> According to our friend Cobalt Streak, you can take naps apparently, which is you could something new to us. Yeah, wouldn't that be also known as just drowning or like, water, something like yeah, that? Yeah, just fall asleep in a thing with constantly pouring water. That sounds like a yeah. really good idea. That's a phenomenal According plan. To, according to him, it's pretty relaxing. I don't know, man. I guess I got to try it out. I don't think I, I've. I don't think I've even ever fallen asleep in a bath, let alone a shower. Is that yeah. even possible? I guess. I'm trying to figure out, like, how do you think he does it? Really, I really haven't given it much thought. But he just might—he just lays like he's in a bath, and the water is just pitter pattering on his body the whole time. I guess. Yeah, I, as long I, as he doesn't sleep on his stomach, he should be yeah, okay I most of the time. Curled up sideways somehow, which just doesn't work because then you're worried yeah. about the elbow blocking up the drain and you're gonna really screw up your body doing that. Yeah, yeah you probably would, but I, I guess for some people, you know, there's some people that love like the sound of rain to put them to sleep. Right. For me, it's just this is more noise and it's annoying me, so I can't go to sleep. But it ha- it does happen for some people, so I guess maybe it's the same principle. And for me, that sounds like just enduring Chinese water torture for relaxation. But yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it is what it is, and you do you, as far as I'm concerned. And just for those who do not know who we're surrounded by these wonderful guests today, all of these fellas run the Roundtable podcast, and they have agreed to fill in today because Jesse and Dodger are either on their way back from CoxCon or dealing with the massive effects of eight plus hours of jet lag from just getting back from it. And let's be honest, it was a very busy weekend and we were all very tired. So these guys very kindly, very kindly said, hey, we'll come and fill in and uh, leech a few viewers from you, which is exactly what you should do in this business. <laughs> That's what it's for. So uh, starting and we'll go around in order. Mr. Bear Taffy, welcome to the show. Tell us what you do. What's going on? Yeah, hi everybody. I am the de facto host of Roundtable. That's over twitch.tv slash roundtable podcast every Friday. We uh, we do more or less the same thing as we were dis- discussing pre-show. Much, yeah. It's I a don't very think, similar format. I don't think that is an original like four or five panel web show because I think we stole all of us stole it from JP and yep. then just put a slightly different logo on it. And that's been the last six years of the four panel webcam shows. But hey, <laughs> yeah. whatever whatever works, honestly. You know, if people watch it, who cares? Yeah, if you enjoy more of that kind of stuff, along with uh, folks playing video games, I am yet another one of your guys. So that's me. Indeed. Uh, Moving on to Mr. Northern Lion, the eggiest of eggs. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, still playing Isaac now and then. (laughs) (laughs) Over at YouTube.com. Yep. Less these days, right? A little less these days. A little less these days. You know, the Isaac machine's at like one quarter production relative to how it has been previously in its... Uh, in its existence and then apart from that i'm on twitch uh monday wednesday and thursday with the northern line live super show at various afternoon times pacific very cool very cool moving on to mr rockley smile welcome to the show hey thank you for having me yeah rockley smile otherwise known as nick i used to be a full-time youtuber and kind of transitioned over to twitch i used to do this thing called indie impressions every day where i play weird indie games and now i just stream full-time uh, do roundtable and hang out with Northern Lion on the NLSS three times a week. So that's me. 
Last but by no means least, a man who abandoned StarCraft just like everybody else. And I finally got my name back. <laughs> and I'll never yeah. let him forget it. <laughs> On the level of force strategy gaming, who is <laughs> the Mathis, Mathis Games. Yep. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I am the king of ripping off other content. So let's see. I, uh, I'm on the Roundtable podcast. Um, I do my own D&D show, which is ripped straight out of JP's format. Uh, I do uh, that's over at Lost Initiative show. Uh, I also do Judge Mathis, which is uh, like a comedy retro PC game review channel. I do Let's Plays uh, and I stream occasionally on Twitch.tv slash Mathis Games. So all over the place. Excellent. Cool. Well, welcome to the Co-Optional Optional podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games, talking about games can work with more than the standard set of hosts, I'm told. I think there's more than three people in the world capable of talking about video games, of all things. Although sometimes when I read game reviews these days, I'm not 100% sure that that's true. But I never mind. Got him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> roast that, roast that games media. That stick doesn't get old. And we'll be talking about the games we've been playing this week over the next couple of hours. And the last hour of the show usually consists of a little bit of news and the release list, which we unfortunately have to cull every single week because Steam is awful, and most of the things released on it are also awful. Some of them worth laughing at, most just worthy of ignoring completely. So let's just kick it off, shall we? Let's start it off. Who wants to go first? Throw the hat in the ring. What have you been playing this week? Anybody? Watch the I have played some Fortnite. Right. The new yeah. Yeah, zombie wave shooter plus base building game with RPG elements from Epic Games. Uh, I played some with Mathis and I played yeah. some with Nick. And I think that that game is interesting, but also extremely overwhelming right off the bat. Like yeah. there are so many systems going on between like the horde mode, like Gears of War style stuff, the base building, the like four different kinds of loot that you can get from every mission. And, and I'll let you guys speak more to that because uh, I, I haven't played much more than we played multiplayer, but I was still like just I, barely starting to wrap my head around it. I got into the skill trees, right? And so that that seems like it wouldn't be a big deal at face value until you realize underneath the skill trees, there's also a research system that functions like a cookie clicker game. So you've got to like build up research and then leave your game off and then come back to it every day to use that research to expand a secondary skill tree that informs the first skill tree. It's too much. <laughs> the, the game, it, I, I was kind of like venting about it on Twitter a little bit after we were done playing the other night. Uh, and the game is like your quintessential way too many systems not explained well at all. Uh, and for those who are curious, the game is in early access. You can purchase it to get an early access now. But in 2018, it will be launching as a free-to-play game. And I can see like the cracks and where the free-to-play like microtransactions kind of leak in. And uh, where I think they are going to just start and gouge you for your money. But the thing is, the game has about 30 different systems all at once. So, like, you as a player level, your heroes level, uh, you have the skill system, the research system, the base building system, the horde mode system, the squad system, which gives your heroes bonuses. Uh, the Then there's, like, um, something else that also gives your hero bonuses. Like, oh, survivors, which, survivors gives your, yeah. which gives you hero bonuses. Your main base, which you level up. Uh, which will give you more access to different things. Your inventory slot management system, which you can upgrade depending on if you uh, get loot and how much loot you can carry. Loot degradation, loot uh, rarities. There's so four much. There's, there's, yeah, there's like four <laughs> different currencies in the game. Um, you, there's two different types. No, three different types of loot boxes that you get. You get your chest at the end of a mission. You've got your pinatas that you burst open. And Llamas. then you've got your 
And then you've yeah, llamas, sorry, llama pinatas. <laughs> and then you've got your manila envelope things that crack open. And then it'll give you loot of like XP for your heroes, XP for yourself. Jesus. Uh, heroes are loot, so your heroes can be replaced and they have different varying rarities. Oh, the, this there's sounds also, like a they parody the of free-to-play game systems. Like, that just someone went out of the way to take the piss as much as possible. I look at it, and the game was announced back in 2011. It was, And it feels yeah. like every single system that they started making, they just never dropped. Yeah. So no. since 2011, they've just been putting more and more systems yeah. on the game. You know, Fire Emblem Heroes, right? Where you, like, level up, and then they evolve into other things, and you, like... Converged cards together. They have yeah. that system in there too. Oh, of course they do. Let's just add another one in. Why not? <laughs> the history, uh, the, the heroes rather, they have stars, and you have to level them up to a certain point, and then you get a bunch of synthesis items from the actual quests, and then that causes them to evolve to a two-star hero, oh, and then you Christ repeat the sake. process over. And it, uh, I, it's frustrating because there's a lot there, obviously, and it's a mess, and I, a lot of it I can just see how they're gonna try and exploit you for cash. But at the base of it, like the base building orcs must die system is really fun. Like yeah, it's actually yeah, it really good. Yeah, the game's and, fun actually. <laughs> like well, I was having a, it's really fun to just like find your objective in this pretty big map. Like every level has a kind of an openish map that you can explore and there are hidden rooms that you can destroy and find. And then building the base and building the traps is really satisfying and fun, but like it's just underneath like 30 layers of nonsense. Yeah, and to some extent I appreciate the fact that there's that much because I've been lamenting like over the past couple of years that people have been taking no risks whatsoever with game modes. And a couple mm. of games that have, have failed for whatever reason, Battleborn fell flat on its face for more reasons than just its mode complexity, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, Evolve sort of did the same thing as well, but tried to be different. And I have been looking at stuff like Overwatch and saying, wow, I mean, these game modes that Overwatch has they are 15 years old at the bare minimum you know yeah. push cart has been around for a very long time and so has capture points i want to see something different for once because i'm really bored of this but i think this game may have gone a little too far on that principle yeah. it seems really like they well, tried everything instead yeah, of they just, just put one everything thing. in it you you can't it's... really you can't just do that you know there are there are arguments for less is more and there's and also arguments for not allowing feature creep to take over your vision and it's all garbagely explained. Like they just kind of throw it it's all at you, and the, and the UI and the menu is like maze-like. You're just like, where? What is all of this stuff? Like the only reason I, I know the the research thing is like a cookie clicker thing is because Nick explained yeah. it to me. He's I like, had to, I had to do research <laughs> on the research system by sitting <laughs> for an hour trying to understand what was going on. It's like a maze, and then at the end of it, there's apparently a level two research tree. So I haven't oh, even for seen Christ that. Say yet. More? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the skill tree itself has seven different skill trees that are all currently like locked until you get through to the other ones. Like it's just Jesus. so much a linear one that then branches off after you get past a certain point. It really yeah. seems like they put like this is the kind of game that if you really like it, they've given you like nine hundred hours of content. Yeah, they want you to play Which, this forever. Yeah. yeah. Which is not a bad idea in theory, because I think if I did get into it, just discovering layer upon layer upon layer of the onion is awesome. The fact that that mm. keeps happening. I love when I think I know everything about a game, then suddenly there's another layer that uh, kind of comes up there, which is currently what's happening with uh, Pyre, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. I love that, but simultaneously, as you say, if you do not explain that, bearing in mind it is a free-to-play game, the less you explain, the more sort of manipulative the cash model can be. It, it just becomes confusing right. and silly and it it can just become a case of just let me spend some money to skip some of this please and then it's Ooh, like well which yeah. of the four kinds of money would you like to spend like fuck off <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though if you go further down into the quest progression i believe they do actually title them in ways that 
lead me to believe they're going to explain it a bit more. We just didn't get yeah. super far in. I mean, it is still early access, and you can tell by the UI as well. You really yeah. can. Mm -hmm. it, it's yeah. very obvious. The UI looks mostly like default Unity. I imagine they're running Unreal Engine 4 because Epic yeah. would not run Unity yeah. of all things. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a bit weird. <laughs> but to be fair, default Unreal Engine 4 UI looks quite like that as well. So it may very well be that. And I know that's like the last sort of stage of polish, but if you're going to teach people a game, it might be better to maybe polish that first and make sure your UX is good. It strikes me kind of like uh, Warframe is that it's a game that has a lot going on that I have not that much interest in, but I wouldn't be surprised to see people have this become their main game for like a year or two. And it has for a lot of people. But what I ran into when I tried to come back to Warframe is exactly that problem, that they mm -hmm. put so much stuff on it since it came out that they've made it confusing for anybody trying to get in. I believe they've just recently revamped that fact, but that was one of my big complaints when I came back to Warframe. Like, without going to a subreddit or a wiki, I can't understand this game with the tools that you've given me uh, beyond the mere simple stuff, because there is a lot more than just doing that and a lot of things that you could just waste a bunch of time on without realizing that they're a waste of time. We'd, uh, we'd also gotten a bit of a skewed first impression of it because we kind of forgot they gave us like founder codes, which give us a ton of like higher level loot. And when we started it up, we were like, wow, the difficulty balance seems really off. Like everything's super easy. And then, you know, go we're back. We all have like epic weapons. And we're just like, why weapons. is this so like, easy? Yeah, why is this so easy? No, I'd, I'd probably prefer to have gotten the default experience when yeah. we first started it up just to know what you're supposed to feel like. Uh, I feel skewed. like that all the time when you pre-order a game and it gives you some super special gun. It's like you ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> you just made it you made it too easy at the start took the challenge away made it boring but you feel like you've got to use the thing as you were given it i had this problem with disgaea 5 on the switch that they stuffed all of the pre-order bonuses and dlc and everything in there and that sounds like a good deal until you realize that one of the dlc is he has literally a million coins mm -hmm. right, which i am i i'm having to resist taking yeah. It's like, well, it's I'm weird. earning a lot less than that, but if I do take that, I'm going to make the whole game too easy. And I've downloaded one of the heroes, which I think is a gender switch version of the main character from 2, and she murders everybody mm. so very easily. And I'm like, mm. God, I wish I could give her back. It's like, yeah. I shouldn't yeah, right. have. I'm like, I didn't know. I, I, it's interesting because like this is like a, a weird stretch, but I just recently started playing uh, Fallout New Vegas again. And uh, I, I modded it a bit. And one of the, you have to have all the DLC packs for it, including like the ultimate thing, which gives you like all that sweet loot, um, yeah. like super special guns and the canteen and stuff. But I downloaded the Josh Sawyer mod pack, uh, who was the lead developer of the game when he was being developed. And what he did with his mod is he took all that special DLC loot and he spread it across the world as rewards nice. to like find or after a quest and stuff. So you, that, that stuff is still in the game, but now it's like, it's content that you can go out and hunt and it's a reward for playing the game. I would love to see that more with the developers who are like, well, we're, our publishers are making us do DLC bonuses. We'll make it at least something you can hunt down and feel like achievement for getting. I think it's a real smart way to do it, honestly. It, it, it's sort of like, you say it's like paying to win, but really it's paying to lose the experience the way that the game was designed to be intended, which is just not a good thing. And when they're tied into pre-orders, rather than being rewarded you're sort of being punished for doing something you really shouldn't be doing anyway but right. you know, if you choose to do it don't don't give them that of all things you know don't right. mess up their starting experience of the game why would you want that yeah 
it's not really... fun with it though, right? I mean, I, I enjoyed it personally. That's what yeah, I'm yeah. hearing. Every, so everyone I've talked to up to this point, uh, including people that haven't been sponsored to play it, has said actually under all of the bullshit, it's actually a pretty fun game. You've just got to learn the million and one different systems that are attached right. to it. I was watching Strippin play last night. It probably didn't help that he was so exhausted from his like 18-hour <laughs> journey back. Hey, I'm going to stream insane. after this. Look at how silly I am. But <laughs> he was he was struggling to figure a bunch of stuff out. I was like, well, there's this big pyramid in the middle of our base, and uh, I suppose you've got to invite someone and give them permission to use it, and I don't know what button to press for that. And, yeah. oh, I'm apparently summoning allies. I didn't want to do that. What's happening? It, yeah. Just a horribly confusing mess of a thing. At least yeah. it has character, though. Like, it does. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have played Paragon from yes, Epic Games. Yeah. Play, playing that, I was like, it's all right, but it's like intensely generic, in my opinion, at least. And yeah. at least Fortnite feels like it, I mean, has a reason to exist beyond mm. just being like another hero shooter, like Smite or something. Yeah. It's a little derivative, but it's not bad overall. I mean, it's got a little too much of like a plants versus zombies vibe to it. Oh, sort this of garden warfare two sort of thing. Sorry, what? Sort of garden warfare two style. Yeah, well, I mean the, the art design, they unveil there's a, a zombie that actually just like throws bones at you and he's dressed like a baseball player, which is yeah. such a plants versus zombies thing. <laughs> I, I saw them encounter basically what was Dr. B's. And mm -hmm. it was just like beehive, and just under yep. that subtitle is bees. I'm like, right, okay, we're getting right. a little bit of some <laughs> of this silly internet humor here, and that's it's like the sort of a sunset overdrive cross with Borderlands style of yes. humor, I guess, which works for sure. some people, not for others. But as you said, at least it is character, and it's yeah. colorful, and it could have very easily been a generic zombie shooter. It seems like they put some effort into making it not that. Yeah, it's it just like. It is fun. The core, the gameplay loop underneath it all is a good time. Yeah. So I kind of hope they either either do a better job explaining all the nonsense or cull like 50% of it. They're not going to cull. I know. <laughs> I don't think I know. so. But I, I'm, I'm, so hoping. I'm hoping for, for the first one like because I, yeah. I like complexity and layers upon layers of depth, but you really have to explain it properly to the player it must yeah. be delivered properly to them otherwise they will they'll flounder and get frustrated and annoyed and that's not what you want so hopefully they'll be able to deal with that fact it is still an early access so they do have time but if they haven't done it by the time that it fully releases then i think they're going to be in trouble i think they said 2018 too so 2018, it's got a little really? while it's going to be an early access for that long all right okay there's three, there's like three different bundles you can buy. The hundred and fifty dollar like ultimate bundle and all that. That other comes stuff. with three copies, doesn't it? I was gonna say that that isn't just yes, a pay one hundred fifty dollars for one video game does. thing. Yeah, I think I'd heard of that before, and I was about to go, "What the fuck?" Until it's like, "Well, there's actually three copies of the game." It's like, "All right, well, I guess that's a bit more reasonable." But mm. oh well. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to trying it. Honestly, once I've got done with some other stuff, it does look like it might be okay. I'm not really the biggest fan of co-op horde shooters, but if they the base building aspect did look interesting and it looks very intuitive, whereas other games have done base building in a very not so intuitive way. And I remember like old Half Life Two mods where it's like, yeah, you get five minutes to build your base up, and that's like. Basically, you're using a gravity gun and trying to levitate things on top of oh. other things. That <laughs> right. like, oh, God, Does that sound is, like a good time. This is just all. work. This is just construction work. This is not a game. <laughs> not nice. a fan of that one. All right, who wants to throw another hat in the ring when it comes to games? What have you been playing? 
I've got a, a new obsession actually, and that's Splatoon Two. Ah, Whoa. yeah. Oh, oh boy! Haven't heard yeah, yet. Finally came out on uh, Thursday or Friday. We we all left for Coxcon just before our copies arrived. But mm. I will say this: Coxcon went and raided the Telford game, and I'm pretty sure everything related to Splatoon Two is now gone. Uh, there were <laughs> there were Splatoon colored joy cons that are not available mm -hmm. in the u.s Ooh. so those were the first things to go yeah. and then all of the copies of the game as well because let's be honest no one wants to use the nintendo eShop to download a big thing it takes too long tell me about splatoon 2 did you yeah. firstly, did you play the original and how I similar did. is it yeah so that's that's an important caveat i think and that's one of the biggest criticisms i'm seeing for splatoon 2 as well is that it is very very similar to the first game they didn't really change a lot so yeah. I can't really speak to that, honestly, because I don't really have any experience with the first one. But uh, I will say that I am like, I, I tweeted this out uh, last week. I said Splatoon 2 is 2017's Overwatch, which was 2016's Rocket League, at least in my little world. Because okay. I am like, I am totally into this. It's, it's super fun. And it's got that same sort of Rocket League appeal where you just have these really short matches. Of course, Rocket League is five minutes. These are even shorter at three minutes. Sure. And it makes all of the action that much more intense. Like it, it makes every moment in the game mean much more like when you die to somebody and you have to spend like 10 to 15 seconds respawning and getting back to where you were that's such a big chunk compared to the total amount of time in the game so yeah yeah totally yeah uh but it just it's so much fun it's it's just straight up pure fun it, it's it's really well balanced i feel too weirdly enough like there's a good variety in the weapons and they all feel like they're viable for the most part like depending on your skill level there's like a splat charger for example that acts as kind of a, a charged sniper rifle and that's a you know kind of a higher skill item and there's also things like the paint roller which is my go-to which is you just slap a big old paint roller on the ground and crush everybody and that's i've a lot heard easier. that there's a lot of salt regarding that especially in yeah. the first <laughs> game like if you use a roller you are scum so I'm yeah that, that still seems to be the case I, i'll, I'll Embrace the moniker, yeah. Absolutely, that's yes. You know the highly competitive world of Splatoon. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> well, I watched man. I watched a couple of like competitive Splatoon players playing. They get into it. It's it's a pretty high level competition. Well, you remember from the Nintendo Switch reveal trailer? Like it's going to be an esport, right? Yeah. Of course. Well, that I don't think you can just declare something is going to be an esport. Oh, like this will can. be an esport. It's like, well, Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo thinks they can. can. It was yeah. in the trailer, so. Oh, all right. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be totally a big giant audience for it. It'll be massively successful. And, you know, then the, I don't know anything about US sports teams, the Cleveland Dodgers. There you the, go. The, the, oh, that right. is definitely yeah. a city and the, the name of a the team. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh <laughs> Dolphins, that, that famous coastal dolphin city, Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, those guys. But they'll invest in it. Everybody will. Mark Cuban's going to throw billions of dollars at it. It'll be a huge success. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, hey, you know, if it's got an audience, great. I'll see what they can do with it. It's just, it's it's fun to play. It's very satisfying to play too. Like yeah. covering the areas in paint and the the paint colors, the aesthetic of the whole game, the entire, you know, very cartoon and childlike appeal is really just fun and enjoyable. It's it's just a pleasant game to play overall, I'd say. And the colors in particular are awesome. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to play it. I It did come back. And once I got back, I'm like, hey, it's Splatoon 2. But I'm like, I'm actually too tired to do anything with this. But... Here's what I'd like to hear on your part. There's yeah. a, currently a debate about control method, and mm -hmm. it's do you just use the traditional analog stick or do you use the gyro? What is your oh, personal I, preference on that? I turned it off as soon as I got an opportunity, honestly. Right. Like, I, I kind of felt personally like I wish it had been available to turn off at the start because they force you to use it in the tutorial, which I guess I kind of get 
because why bother making it at all if no one's gonna use it but i don't know is it is Mario it kind of throws use the like that at you too right like the auto drive assist is on by default you actually have to turn yeah. that off mm -hmm. i thought people loved uh the well I, I saw like one thread about splatoon one and the control scheme but i thought people loved the gyro controls well that's Did what i'm hearing I, I heard a lot about it. Uh, there was a lot of hostility initially to it because, hey, it's a non-traditional control method and, like, I'm not going to play a competitive game with some waggle shit. But <laughs> after people tried it and there's been this rising amount of support for this control method, even with the Steam controller as well, that's started to be used for that. If you have a very good gyro, it actually lets you turn and aim more accurately than the analog stick does. And if you use it in combination with the analog stick, it's a better control method. The very brief amount of time that I spent with it in the demo, which I will admit was about seven minutes, so not exactly much to judge it by, yeah. I was surprised at how intuitive I found it. And I'm thinking, actually, that may be the way to go if you've got the patience to learn it. Really? Man, yeah. that, that really surprises me. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I definitely tried it. Like, with the tutorial, of course, I didn't really have a choice. I felt just kind of the same I've always felt about shooters with gyro controls. It's just really it's awkward. It's not the way to go. But... Yeah, you can, you can easily overcompensate and oversteer and things like yeah. that. I mm -hmm. mean, I turned the steering off immediately on Mario Kart as well because like, I don't want this. Yeah. But it seems like with the Switch, that might be the way to go. And I'm wondering if the portable nature of the Switch actually contributes to that in some way. Oh, yeah. No, that definitely could be it too. I, and it does. Uh, we weirdly enough tested it on both the uh the tv and the handheld mode the tutorial and it you know it's it's about the same on the handheld you know you do have to account for the fact that you're literally moving your actual screen to adjust for that too but yeah which some people i guess might find a bit obnoxious or mm -hmm. maybe even sickness inducing so there is that mm -hmm. not to mention the fact that I mean, this is kind of a separate argument, but comparison of controls with the Joy-Con versus the Pro Controller is yeah. like, yes. not even close. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I might have to give it another shot, I guess. I, I, didn't, I didn't know there was so much uh, support behind it. I, I just kind of assumed that everybody was like me and just turned it off as soon as they got an opportunity. Yeah, I think there was, there was a groundswell of it after people sort of realized, but there's obviously at least two camps of opinion on the subject. And ultimately, if they're allowing all of those options that's a good thing for everybody just turn on what you like and play it that way mm -hmm. and see how it goes i personally don't like shooters using analog sticks even if they are sort of third person spammy shooters like splatoon is mm. so i'd prefer not to use that and it may be an interesting advance in future that we see that used for first person shooters and it might if the gyro is good enough anyway actually work out yeah, no, definitely if it's good enough, that'll be the big one. I, ha I have a much different background, too. I grew up playing just way too much Halo on the consoles, so yeah. I am very married to the idea of the right analog stick <laughs> yeah. being my aimer. Whereas I, like, was full-on PC, so right. it's mm -hmm. mouse and keyboard for me, and gyro and analog stick is a better emulation of mouse and keyboard than analog sticks are in my eyes. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. My copy of Splatoon 2 is here, but like UTB, I haven't opened it yet. No. Uh, but I think I have to because last night I had a few hours of free time and I was like, oh, I'll play some Players Unknown Battlegrounds or Player. Oh, sorry. I always deliberately call it by the wrong name when I'm streaming. <laughs> just I for jokes. But... People screeching at yeah. you at this very moment as a result of that. <laughs> a lot of very angry frogs. Um, and then, you know, I did like one game and I died in 15 seconds and I was like, screw this. So instead, I played like two hours of Heroes of the Storm. And by the end of that, I was like, ah, screw this. So <laughs> I think I, I need something a little bit more like, you know, drop in, drop out more. And my level, casual and fun and three-minute rounds sound like 
just about the right amount of duration to make that happen. Yeah, just don't try and play it with friends or with VoIP because the fucking oh, yeah. Nintendo yes. app. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh, yeah, they we didn't, even, we didn't even bother with that. It was uh, that that whole mess is it's just as bad as we suspected it was. Yeah, basically, it really was. People said, "No, no, no! Nintendo will totally be creative and surprise us with this." Mm. No, no, though they didn't. It, it is as bad as it sounds. And as much as people say, "Well, you know, just use Discord," one, you still need a phone for that, so that doesn't solve anything. And secondly, mm. it, you need the app to invite people into custom lobbies. So. That's terrible. I can't fathom not having the VoIP work when your phone is on its lock screen. Like that That's is actually, that it's insane. a non-starter. You just can't use it. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I've never seen anything so badly designed in my life when it comes to that. Not to mention, you know, apparently the battery nuking capability of that thing is immense. So the chances are that's another wire because you're going to have to plug the phone in. So you're basically going off wires to hang yourself after dealing with the Nintendo app. <laughs> there now, you so. go. <laughs> well, yeah, I was very considerate of them in the end. While we're harping on Nintendo, too, I, I am really confused by their matchmaking. Like, I jumped in on my first game, level one, against levels 10 to 15, about average, and they all just smoked me, having mm -hmm. no idea what I was doing. Also, I don't know why you can't back out of the matchmaking lobby. Like you, oh. you, have to, you commit, and then if you're in the queue, you can't leave Great. until like, the game starts. So that actually results in like a lot of AFK players. That happens like a lot, weirdly. It's, it's like 25% of my games, so there'll be somebody who just isn't playing, I assume, because they couldn't back out. So Yeah, that's like not that great. It, Nintendo just doesn't understand online play, and they're years yeah. behind everyone else in that respect. But the fact that the tech was there with the original DS, and you could plug and do VoIP on the DS, <laughs> but apparently the Switch isn't up to it, is the most bizarre thing I, I've ever heard. That's... Yeah insane to mm -hmm. me they were i think they were pushing voip over for uh metroid prime hunters which was like yes. what, 2004 <laughs> the, the dreamcast had it the playstation 2 had it it's insanity that this doesn't the psp as a portable had the ability to do that as well i don't that it's just such a strange regression in this world of yeah. everything has voip and everything has netflix and the switch has neither yeah Mm -hmm. which is bizarre i wanted to ask bear about like the meta progression are there unlocks and like how many maps are there and stuff because i haven't yeah. played it uh so the maps are interesting too they actually cycle the maps in matchmaking so you only ever have two available at any given time i don't know if it was like that in the first game uh mm. and i think they change it every hour or something like oh, that so it's, it's not really hour. too bad wow. you know like they keep a good variety that might huh. be incorrect i, I want to get a fact check on that but now that cute. would be great in heroes of the storm so it would if they rotate getting... it far faster than they do because their rotations yeah. are like i what every few weeks or every not month only is their so, rotation or... like slow but like a third of their maps are trash. You yeah, could just look true. at when Hanamura's <laughs> on the rotation and be like, "This is uh, where I'm not going to play this game." Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, but yeah, they've got they've got some progressional unlocks too. Every level, you unlock a new available weapon to purchase at the weapon shop, and then you okay. can unlock new uh, headgear, new uh, boots, I think, or shorts or something like that. It, they, they all just mm -hmm. give you like tiny bonuses, like uh, you can swim a little faster, or you can uh, re reduces your ink consumption, or things like that. So. Nothing really like uh, overwhelming, unless maybe later in the game you can unlock some cool items that I haven't seen yet. But there is a little bit of progression to at least keep you going. 
Yeah, and if it's anything like Splatoon 1, they're going to be drip-feeding content to people for free, which was all, was mostly already in Splatoon 1. You know, they locked it out, but I don't mind them doing that as long as they're, they're not charging you for it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, right. sure, if you want to gate a bunch of content and then slowly drip it out to keep people interested, that's not the worst thing you can do, as long as what you started with was good enough to keep people interested. If it wasn't, and if there were things that were lacking, then, you know, you deserve it if you lose your player base at that point. You said oh. slow drip twice. I'm going to give you the credit for that being an ink-based pun. Hey. Indeed. <laughs> there you go. You're a squid now. You're a kid now. Yeah. You have to I'm buy actually Schrodinger's squid. I'm both of those, but neither at the same time. <laughs> if, if observed, I may be a squid or a kid, but when in a state of quantum flux, not so much. Mm. I think they have, like, custom amiibos for these two. Nick. They do. They do. They yeah. Do. Yeah. I did, I, yeah, I know that was a thing for the first one. It was like a fuss that I guess people wanted cosmetic items and couldn't That's find the amiibos, you, I so I didn't know if they kept up with that or not. It was, there was I, like the I, Splatoon amiibo heist. In yeah, the yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there, was, amiibo heist? there were like yeah. three unique uh, Splatoon amiibos, and yeah. I don't know if it was a targeted thing, but like a truck got robbed that was oh, carrying yeah. Splatoon amiibos, and it like neutered supply for a few days or something like that. Holy shit. As if, as if Nintendo needed any help neutering the supply for anything. No kidding, but... yeah. <laughs> I was there. Am I misremembering this? And chat can let me know because wasn't there like a huge challenge mode locked behind an amiibo in Splatoon, or am I thinking of something else? I know. I think Mario Party Eight or Nine or something had an entire mode locked behind having to have an amiibo, which was terrible. I yeah. think, but <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I think it was Splatoon that it had. I don't believe the content was that good, but it locking that much behind an amiibo seems fairly ridiculous i don't mind them locking cosmetic stuff behind it that's not too shabby but anything beyond that yeah it was replaying the single player maps using different weapons so it was like a remix mode i think okay. that that's still substantive content and shouldn't be hid behind a plastic paywall the twilight princess hd apparently that one had the wolf link amiibo and that was a whole dungeon so whole i think that dungeon was one of the more egregious ones that i'm aware of that's and that's pretty terrible the cave of yeah. shadows <laughs> yeah that that, that is uh, that is terrible policy and it's very surprising to see people defend it because if it were anybody else pulling this shit they would be trying to burn the hq down imagine if ea did that yeah. <laughs> yeah. ubisoft which they're kind of trying to do with that space game aren't they but that's at least a little bit different because you're building cool toys and it's actually not that very different oh, yeah, at all. Yeah. it's still crap but <laughs> It, you, yeah, oh dear. Well, uh, at least the game sounds like it's good. And the point that you brought up at the start, Bear, is an interesting one that the main problem people have is that it's too similar. The thing is, I think there's a relatively strong argument because the Wii U just didn't sell as well as it did, should have, that mm. literally everything should be ported from it to the Switch. <laughs> not I mean... only does it mean larger <laughs> right. audience, but it also means portability, which in yeah. and of itself is a reason to rebuy a game, I think. Yeah, I mean, that when you say it, that makes perfect sense, honestly. And I, I really like it seems as though if they didn't change much from Splatoon, it's because they didn't really need to as well. Like it's it's a pretty damn good formula in and of itself. So I suppose really they just needed to get that port and they kind of just yeah. slapped a two on it and said, so, hell with it. It's a fairly lean concept, right? There's not all that much fat to trim anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of of the opinion that like, one of the reasons the Wii U faltered is because in its first year and a half, it had like three games that came out that were that any help. good. So 
just it, it, as far as I'm concerned, even if Splatoon 2 and like Mario Kart Deluxe or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe basically is the same thing. Just more decent games that that give you a reason to keep playing the console is is a sign of encouragement instead of just yeah. being dead in the water. Yeah, I think I think it's also down to and I don't know enough about Splatoon to make this call that did they fix the problems that were in the original game? Because if those issues are still there, then that's certainly worthy of criticism, probably doubly so, because they'll, mm. they'll have known about it, they'll have been given feedback about it, and they just decide to do it again anyway. That's not a good thing. But I didn't play any Splatoon 1, so I yeah. have no frame of reference for that whatsoever. So I'll Same. bow to the opinion of anyone that did, really, on that one. But it does, it, it does seem like the Switch is getting a pretty solid drip of games now and there's some good indie stuff coming on it the i played a, the version of thumper on there is wonderful yeah really that's good. really pretty solid 60 lovely sound lovely display i heard there's a i know splatoon is the big release this week there's a fate game as well that came out for switch which, uh, which one's that yeah i i don't exactly i can't exactly remember the name of it uh let me find out uh, Fadex Telia, the Umbral Star. Uh, as okay. to what that actually is, because uh, I see anime. Mm. What does I that mean? never would have guessed based <laughs> on that title. <laughs> uh, I it was a fighting game. Oh, no, it's an action, right? It seems like it's an action game of some sort yeah. with characters from Fate and Fate Zero and Fake Apocrypha and Stay Night and stuff. So, But it's interesting to see something like that come out. And it, but it makes perfect sense considering the adoption rate of the Switch in Japan. Yeah. Why would you not? But it's also good that the the West seems to be getting access to that as well. So, you know, some of the weirdest later in life games. It is, yeah, it is. That's true. I'd, it's weird to see that as well. I think Japanese developers are now wholesale embracing the fact that people want to buy their games on PC after years and years of ignoring it because the <laughs> Japanese really market weird, doesn't but it's exist. Great. Yeah, yeah it that. The indie lineup on the Switch is definitely getting better too. Uh, they they had uh, Goner was one that I played last year that they yeah, got yeah. on the Switch now, and then uh, Kingdom is actually getting a two player port Ooh. to the Switch as well, which should that be pretty might make the game fun. No, <laughs> <laughs> that stupid boring game with a great great concept. It's just ride around your horse and pick things up. Right, it's, okay. it's such a simple that that's that's one of my let my mind just wander games man i just i turn mm. my brain off and just get absorbed into it understandable definitely mm. not exactly indie but uh blaster master zero i i picked that up and it's actually really good uh it's a full remake of the original blaster master which i was always a huge fan of but found incredibly obtuse and overly difficult to find out where you're going and they solved all the problems with this version so cool they also nice. added like a story to it which it didn't really have Nate. Overcooked comes out this Thursday as well. Yeah. Perfect yeah. platform that for that game. Like Perfect platform. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 this, I was saying this a year ago when I was arguing with Jesse as to the viability of the Switch, and I was in favor of the Switch on the basis of this is a perfect machine for those fucking local co-op and local uh, yeah. competitive multiplayer games. Absolutely ideal. And yeah. we're starting to get them, and that's great. Where the fuck is Towerfall? Where the fuck is Duck Game? <laughs> You know, that's that stuff yeah. that needs to really be on that system without that question. That game is coming to it, isn't it? I, I don't know, but if it is, that makes perfect sense. I don't see why you wouldn't put a game like that on that system. Skyrim, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted. <laughs> to be fair, in defense of that, despite not liking Skyrim, a fully portable version of Skyrim is something that people do want. 
despite the constant joke that Skyrim is, is on every system and the TI-81 calculator port is coming soon. and <laughs> It's been be... released eight times, I think, or something like that. It is, I believe, quite literally now playable on a Samsung fridge because the new <laughs> Samsung fridges have what's basically oh a tablet on them. So I think if you run Moonlight Streaming on it, you can play Skyrim on your fridge. It exists. That's fantastic. Awesome. It Do we know if done. it's the enhanced version or the original? I, people have been wanting to know that. I just still I don't. I think it's a version of enhanced, although when you say enhanced and then look at a 30 FPS lock, that's kind of a bit of a contradiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I I don't really know. Uh, I'm sure there is a market for people that want to play Skyrim portably, even after all of this time. I, I, I'd personally like to even go back to Oblivion and Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas. I would happily play New Vegas portably. And then we'll go back to that gyro control idea and say, hey, what happens if you were to implement that properly? That might yeah. actually be quite fun. I can see that working well in VATS, actually, when you're targeting, just yeah. sort of shift a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shifted up there. That would actually work very well, I think. And I mean, this thing still has a touchscreen. You could even do VATS targeting yeah. with a touchscreen. That would work, too. True. There's a lot of different options there. But yeah, you know, if you want to do ports and make them portable, I personally have no objection to that. There's, I think there's been a lot of grunting and consternation about the number of remakes that we're getting mm. i fail to see the harm in it as long as they're good remakes if right. you're going to port something to a different system i just love the fact that that tail's just there just <laughs> the tomo wants attention right now right. yeah this is it only happens during podcasts yes. i thought it was he only during fridays but yeah <laughs> it he is knows. a wonderful thing I just need them to stop naming the remakes the exact same thing as that the is confusing. They need I to need that to that. stop. Can we not just put Switch at the end or Portable? Wouldn't that yeah, right. make yeah, it yeah. easier? That's what they were doing back in the PSP era when they did those ports. They just say, "Oh, it's this Portable," and everyone completely understood what was happening. Right now, we're just going to yeah. make it hard to find things on Amazon. Thanks. That's just great. imagine if they call it the same name. Call it uh, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim again. And this is now a hybrid version of the enhanced edition. That's not the original, but not God the other one. It. It's, a, it's a mess. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, that's kind of confusing. Uh, so I like to throw a little bit on the pyre, if you don't mind. Ha -ha. Hey, hey, hey. I like to fan the flames, he says, as Twitch decides now is the time to start dropping frames. That's oh, no. There we go. It's back. We're good. So uh, the pyre embargo lifted yesterday. I haven't played anywhere near as much of it as I would like, simply down to the fact that I was in England for CoxCon, and I would have loved to have spent a lot more of the time playing that, but I have played past the stage that the preview at PAX showed, and that's good because it absolutely has opened... It's opening up more and more and more. The heck? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that going through the mon Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, my it bad. Is. I didn't realize that was going through. Hold on. I'll <laughs> what was that? that was, I got a phone call from Gmail. That's what was going through. Oh, there. man. Oh, that was great. I was so confused. <laughs> I thought like the universe simulation was finally done. They were about to let us all know. We're coming out of the Matrix, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Just going to um, close that tab. Oh, my quick. God. Uh, so, so this, this in the background is footage from the old preview version about a year ago, but uh, it, it mostly does look the same, but with a, quite a bit more polish and with mouse control rather than the control of the game of packs. But the, the game is starting to show more and more layers, and it is, I think, the most interesting game they've done yet mechanically. 
and so far maybe the weakest narratively mostly because i think people expect with supergiant that most of the narrative is delivered through a narrator and through that being tied into your actions in the game happened in transistor happened in bastion that's not really the case this time around there is a narrator it generally it's the narrator only kicks in in the main battle mode which as people have pointed out is kind of like basketball yes uh which is i think great the fact that they basically made a fantasy rpg sports game weird thingy that's that's really cool and <laughs> i creative. really want to play this now actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but simultaneously if you were looking for a lot of the story to be delivered through the cool narrator it's not there's a lot more text this time around than any other super giant game there's a lot of it uh, a lot of the lore is delivered through these sort of hot links in the text that you can hover over if you want to and will immediately deliver little pieces of lore to i think it's kind of a nice system so you can go in sort of as deep in the lore as you want or just don't give a damn at all and rely on the uh, text but there are a lot more story choices in this than anything they've done so far Ooh. transistor had very little of that bastion had very little of that this has a lot of that and in fact i think there's also quite a bit of influence from stuff like ftl those sort of node-based choose your own adventure roguelites i think have influenced this quite a lot which should hopefully give it a bunch of replayability as well like i've already made three or four major choices within the first hour of play alone that I could have very easily gone for the other one and I would probably got a different experience as a result. So replayability on that level, on a narrative level, is something that those games haven't provided before, but they have provided it on a mechanical level. It was good to go back and play Bastion with the different modifiers enabled, the different shrines that would make it a lot harder or with a different weapon set or upgrade set. And it was good to do that with Transistor as well, the new game plus, and that's actually really good if you're into that combat system and installing those modules and upgrades. In this, it seems like that replayability is being provided narratively instead of mechanically. But in terms of the mechanics, like I said, it's a sports game. That's what it is. I said it a year and a half ago, and now every review is pretty much parroting <laughs> me on that. Uh, that's fine, because they're right. It is a three-on-three -three RPG party-influenced game of basketball, essentially, where you pick up a magical ritual ball, and you try and either throw it into the opponent's pyre of course it can be intercepted or you take the ball and literally have your dude dive into the pyre and die and <laughs> as he does that he ritually sacrifices himself to do damage to the other team then your guy is banished for a while so you're playing two on three but the, obviously you can get him back and all that kind of thing and you could take a bunch of different characters that have a bunch of different abilities and powers and upgrades and stuff the starting set is a big fat woman well but she's not fat she's just huge and scary and terrifying uh with a sort of horned hat and she's got a big influence sphere around her if you touch that influence sphere you get dude gets instantly banished she could throw this huge slow but very wide attack that will banish anyone that hits her but she's a very slow moving character there's a medium one and a little sort of rodenty one that can run very fast and jump very far and there's a bunch of other characters you could put in your party beyond that. And they all have their own unique upgrade trees and leveling up systems. And I've just encountered my first item shop, which is literally called the Slug Market. It's a guy riding a giant slug. It's great. The art in this game is incredible. And I started picking up items. And like I'm seeing, oh, you know, this one has a 20% chance of immediately reviving somebody that dived into the pyre. And all these other kind of really interesting little things. And I love it to death. I fucking love it. It's such a great system that is most likely going to confuse the hell out of people because it is so different to anything else. The closest I could get to it is saying it's Blitzball. Kinda-ish. Ooh, all right. Yeah, that's, oh, a good, that's I mean, an interesting I, and I think a, 
a good competitor. I thought I wanted to play this before, but you just said the magic word. <laughs> Basically, you know, imagine oh if in Final Fantasy X Blitzball wasn't the mini game, but the main game and the yeah, story yeah. and everything yeah. around what it that? was. That, game. that was the point. Well, this is that game. You have yes. it now. Uh, that's basically what Pyro is, like only yeah. more gorgeous with an incredible soundtrack and this crazy lore with this entirely original universe that seems to be... Uh, I, a lot of it is Arabic-influenced, I think, but obviously it's a original fantasy world, so there's a lot of stuff coming from Persia, there's some Egypt in there. You can see all those influences, but it's in an entirely original universe, which means that... For a Westerner in particular, you're constantly being surprised by cool shit, which is really, really good. Yeah. So, so far, I'm loving the hell out of it. But as I said, I think it's maybe to date their weakest narratively, even though it may be their strongest mechanically. But good for them going in a different direction and not relying on the thing they're known for. Yeah. It, the only thing I think that sucks about the game is that it's local multiplayer only. Yes. I would that, have that loved is, that an online multiplayer mode. Because yeah. it would have been so yeah. fun to play with friends. 100%. Nine times out of ten, I would I think I would take the opposite opinion on that. That like because most games with a novel gameplay structure like that, I don't like anti-hero is an example of a game where I thought it was new and interesting, but I have no interest in playing it against anything but the AI. Like I, I don't okay. want to get in like a 45-minute match against people online because I just right. I wasn't mm -hmm. that invested. This is like fast enough and unique enough that I think it would actually add a little bit to have online multiplayer. But yes. I think I agree with that 100%. If they're able to add it in later, which isn't likely, netcode's a really complicated thing, no yeah. doubt. If they're able to do that, that will be great. The fact that it is local only is unfortunate. It's definitely a little bit of a downer on the whole thing because, it's as I mentioned, the core battle mode is enough of a game in and of itself. When you add all the other shit on top of it with the narrative and the choose your own adventure and the node-based exploration and the random items and the leveling up and the talking to cool characters and my fucking wagon is powered by imps and demons, <laughs> that's how it moves. When you go in there, there's also little cool things you can click on. You click on the imps and they just recoil and then hiss at you. And there's just constantly new mysteries and weird shit. There's a guy in my wagon and nobody knows who he is. And we don't want to talk to him. <laughs> I he, know who he is. He's just oh. dead. He's dead. But, 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 but no, maybe he's not. And he has a guitar. We don't think he's dead. But we don't. We haven't plucked up the courage to speak to him yet. We're like, who the hell's this? <laughs> and I just met a new character who I was able to name Bay. That was a legitimate <laughs> narrative choice. You you have to pick a name that has AE on the end. And they have a bunch of different ones. One happened to be Bay. I'm like, I'm going to have to call it Bay, aren't I? Just for the sake of the joke. But I actually agree with you. I think narratively, it's uh, it's probably weaker, or at least you have to do your own investment into it instead of just having it being, it fed, being to you. fed it I, through your ears. Exactly. You know, yeah. But I also I, I agree with you that Supergiant deserves uh, praise for not going down exactly the same route that they went with Bastion and Transistor because I I loved Bastion and I really liked Transistor, but while playing through Transistor twice, I was like. It's just sci-fi bastion with like a, a, a more strategic kind of turn-based combat system. Sure. But really it's just bastion with like a different coat of paint. And this is like a totally different, different and game. uniquely original experience. And it actually reminds me a lot of, uh, I think the Banner Saga and FTL are good examples, but I also yeah. got like a real uh, 80 days vibe, which I'm yes. not sure. Is, yeah. I did play and loved it. That is an excellent choose your own adventure game. 
Yeah, and I I thought like the way that there's contextual clues and lore in the text and stuff like that, I was like, this feels very 80 days-ish to me, um, yeah. but with obviously a more kind of like, I don't know, Day of the Dead sort of aesthetic and, and tone going on. <coughs> God, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's actually like the most gorgeous game they've ever made. Yeah, and that's saying something because the last yeah. two were really good too. I posted a 4K screenshot of it last night, which no doubt Imga mangled, but... It's like, this is a fucking painting. I could put this <laughs> in a frame and people would ask me what who the artist was. And that was just one scene. Every time I travel to a new area in the map, there's a whole different scene. It's just like, I just spend some time staring at all of the detail there. Plus, of course, there's a bunch of different battle arenas to do the ritual rites, which is what your weird basketball blitzball thingy is. And the wagon gets the stuff in the wagon progressively changes as well. It also has the most gorgeous opening a book animation of any game ever. I um, actually might yeah. make a specific award category in the arbitrary awards this year just for <laughs> best opening book animation. And it's a shoe in, it's a fix, it's rigged. <laughs> rigged. Yeah, I don't, so think you far, so good. I don't think you could have sold this on me more if you were trying to. Like, this is a super giant game that basically plays like Blitzball, which I had. A Final Fantasy X save hour of like 120 hours or something like <laughs> yeah. that, with probably half of that being Blitzball. I got obsessed with that mini game, man. I was so into it. So this is this is right up my alley. Yeah, now it's not a mini game anymore. You know, based mm -hmm. the whole thing around it. It's I the worry that I have for this game is that it may need a friend when it comes to properly explaining and conveying what's good about it to people. This mm. happened with Renowned Explorers. Like yeah, yeah. the game fell flat on its face when it launched. It no no reviewer seemed to get it. They didn't seem to get to the core of it. And when my video came out, it literally saved the series as they wrote in their blog, because apparently I was the first person to get it and to be able to explain that core to people. But ultimately, you shouldn't need a person on YouTube with a particular mindset to explain what's good about your game. That should be self-evident. Mm -hmm. So... If Pyre doesn't find an audience, it would be sad, but simultaneously I can understand why, because it is quite highly unusual, not what they've done before, and quite difficult to perhaps grasp what they were trying to do. If you do, though, I think there's a lot here so far. I've been told there's some major crazy changes and twists that go on later on in the game. I don't want to spoil anything, obviously, but I'm looking forward to getting to it. Straight after this podcast, I'm going right back to playing it. I just want to, I just want you to know that. It's not that I, I don't mean, like you guys, but it's fucking pie. I want to play more. The like the Blitzball aspect of the game, I and Bear in particular will know this. I'm a sucker for like digital sports games. Yeah. Like I'm I'm probably part of the like 0.1% of the population that has 40 hours in frozen cortex, the, the frozen synapse follow-up that Which was I will, around I American never football. got around to playing, even though I think I probably love it. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I loved it on, on a level that's like almost bordered on obsession for a little while. Yeah. But uh, I think like the, the blitz ball mechanic is decent so far. The, the thing I like most about it is the novelty and I'm kind of enamored with it, but at least in the, in the single player campaign so far, the AI has not really been challenging. No, I've, I've smoked it repeatedly so far anyway, but I am. There is a, there's quick match and the quick match AI by default is like a little bit stronger to the point that they could actually score, which I thought was positive, but even with it being sort of like positive, but a little bit of a mixed bag in that aspect, this game would be so much worse if it was just like a turn-based RPG with like a traditional battle system. And I think that's probably how like 
98% of developers would have done it. They yes. would have been like, we've got this rich world and then we're going to have like a Final Fantasy V style battle system or something. Yeah, or, or a turn-based so tactics better. thing on a grid. And don't exactly, get me wrong, I love yeah. my tactics games, but it would not have stood out in any way other than it being, hey, it's super giant and I bet it looks pretty, I bet it sounds good. And you're, like, you're right on both counts, but the fact that they innovated as much as they did mechanically is uh, super impressive. Um, yeah. Just looking at it, it definitely looks like it could have gone the Banner Saga route so easily. Totally. With the combat yeah and I, honestly i didn't even i like the mana saga combat but yeah. a lot of people didn't a lot of people were not into that and they were more interested in the choose your own adventure aspect and traveling across the world and i don't blame them for that because i think that was the stronger part of it yeah mm -hmm. in this case yeah. i don't think that's true I'm, so. I'm probably the dissenting opinion but i have never really gotten into uh, either bastion or transistor not because i felt they were lacking in production value because they're beautiful games they mm -hmm. sound good they look good uh, but the way they approach narrative, I thought, was just a little bit overwhelming to me for whatever reason. Mm. So that put me off to some degree, and I, I appreciate the departure in this one. I think that might be what it takes to bring that me might in. Be. So. Yeah, that very yeah. well might be. I never thought of the possibility that somebody might just not like the fact that they're constantly being talked to about what's been yeah. happening. That's that's um, me. <laughs> well, this game doesn't do that. It's got pretty much traditional text that you can advance at the speed of whatever you want, and those nice little hot links with the additional lore if you want it. So yeah. it's also like a hundred times easier to play it on Twitch and YouTube as a result of there being yeah, no narrator. <laughs> yeah, Bastion and Transistor were not good uh, streaming games. This yeah. will be, and I especially think because it has the choose your own adventure aspect and some randomness and maybe a touch of roguelite in there for good measure, I think it will help a lot in that respect. Which makes it even more sad that it doesn't have online multiplayer, <laughs> only local, but yeah. hey. All right, should we take a break? And then when we come back, we'll talk more about the games we've been playing. There are certainly plenty more of those. You're watching the Co-Optional Optional podcast. We brought along the roundtable for it. And so far, this has been far too professional for anyone's liking. Oh, we'll really? Right back <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah, Google so phone call was the best part. We're talking about video so games. Oh, well, yes, maybe not that. We've probably been talking about too many video games, which is a problem, and we need to stop it. Okay, we'll be right back after the break, folks. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the co-optional optional podcast with the staff of the round table here replacing staff. the staff like of the it. round table. Yes, <laughs> sounds like it sounds like like a wizard's artifact. The staff of the round table. <laughs> Get Sorcerous bad opinions powers. about video games for your entire life. <laughs> oh my God, it's far too powerful. We must destroy it. Destroy it at once. <laughs> Toss it into the fires. <laughs> Yeah, big thanks to them for coming along and filling in for Jesse and Dodger, who are jet lagged as fuck and on the way back from CoxCon, which was a huge success. And again, big thanks to everybody that came to that. It was our biggest and best event ever and looking forward to doing some really cool stuff next year. The ball pit did not arrive on time. Oh, oh, we lame. did screw that up. We did screw that up. That's on us. We admit it. Uh, we'll make sure the Dave Lang Memorial ball pit is there next year. <laughs> and i'm sure it'll be wonderful and there's a few other ideas because i'm trying to convince jesse to buy a killer queen cabinet for fourteen thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> sounds a, like a solid investment <laughs> it is it's a, i don't know what we'll do afterwards i think we'd have to put it in storage just for coxcott and bring it back or maybe we could lend it to like a pub or a barcade in the uk it, mm. have you seen this thing no. I'm, I'm looking, looking at it, it right oh, now. Yeah. It's it's a ten player competitive indie game that's all played on a what's basically a double cabinet with ten controllers. Yeah, wow. It is incredible. I we have one of like I think only twenty machines in existence at Charlotte's Abari, which is a barcade in Charlotte. And wow. it is constantly full. You can never get in there because everybody's playing it and it's like 
I think they were like, yeah, we, we didn't really think investing this was a good idea. And then we realized how many people want to play it. And it was a very good idea. Because imagine you're getting 10 massive. players at once, all putting credits in. Yeah, yeah. you're making serious <laughs> fucking gosh on that thing. Um, that would be very interesting to see if that we saw maybe a revival of cabinet building by some indie devs that were making like arcade high player versions of their stuff. I could see like a Towerfall or, you know, an eight player duck game doing really well in arcade. I could see that doing exceptionally oh. well in an arcade. Mm -hmm. All sorts of ideas, I think, there. But, oh, God, if we could get a Killer Queen machine, that would be incredible. It really looks wild. I love arcades still, man. I, oh, I still yeah. try to seek them out when I can. Yeah, there's just still... Uh, the website will have gone down again. We talked about it last week, and the website just died immediately. But, <laughs> so, sorry, Killer Queen. Sorry. We didn't mean it. We're, we apologize. We just really appreciate the fact that your game exists, as strange <laughs> as it is. Yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. Speaking of pretty mm. cool... Welcome to Super Hot the Card Game. Mm. Oh, yep, this exists. Didn't know huh. it did uh, until we went to CoxCon and uh, fellow there that runs sort of the board game. So I was like, I needed to have some things. Um, we have this currently, as far as we're aware, it's mostly just available in Poland. I did check. I can't seem to buy it in the United States. It's a very limited release. I think there was a limited Kickstarter that funded the initial printing of it. There weren't that many, but we got a copy of it. And it describes itself as part strategy, part shooter, and undeniably stylish. Superhot is the best-selling independent FPS. Um, the Superhot take game takes its unique game mechanics to the world of tabletop. Its micro deck building mechanics will immerse you in the ever-changing, visceral, and iconic fight scenes of Superhot. Every turn and every move is an intense snapshot of lethal combat frozen in motion. Your decisions and your execution dictate the pace of the game. Daredevil maneuvers and risk-taking can reward you greatly or exact harsh punishment, and every card you play advances the timeline. You shoot a guy's head off, enemies pour into the room, a shower of bullets fills the air, the clock is ticking. And it's a one, two, three player game. So it can be played solitaire or it mm. can be played against yeah. people. Pretty cool. neat idea. I'm looking forward to trying it. Card art looks very good. It's all basically using art from Super Hot. So it's very much white and red and black, really solid, slick color scheme. And board games are awesome and continue to be awesome. There, there's so many of them and so many different kinds of them and really the like more two-player ones the better because yeah. like you know i i am a married man who lives with my wife yeah. and doesn't go out of the house that much so yeah. the more two-player board games that exist the happier i am <laughs> i really like that, that there's a solo version too that's pretty cool i could definitely go for more solo card games too it's it's a growing part of the sort of board game golden age that more games are being designed for solitaire play because that's one of the biggest problems isn't it getting people together and teaching them if yeah, you're just exactly. playing a thing alone you don't really have that problem and it can be quite relaxing to just do that away from a computer screen mm -hmm. not really have to worry yeah. about that there's nothing stopping them porting those kind of things to a computer screen i'd kind of recommend that they do always nice to have that option but there's something about physical tangible play that's a bit more relaxing for some people you don't even necessarily need the social aspect of it yeah I would love to see more of this, like you just said. Like I didn't think Super Hot would be turned into a card game at all. That thought hadn't even occurred to me. Yeah. But I did see, like I saw um, on the Darkest Dungeon subreddit, actually, somebody had whipped up an entire set of Hearthstone-esque mm -hmm. Darkest Dungeon trading cards, and they mm -hmm. had like an entire system for that, which I thought would be incredible, really, too. So there's a I'm lot very of surprised there hasn't been a Darkest Dungeon game of some sort in the physical space yeah. yet. I guess they're just very, very focused on it. Obviously, we've seen Dark Souls come up recently which 
is a big clunky mess of a game that is mm -hmm. clunky for a good reason because that's what dark souls is in many ways <laughs> so it sort of emulated it and then there's stuff like bloodborne the card game which might as well not be bloodborne themed at all but is in itself actually still a very good card game nonetheless Mm. so we're getting a lot of that i'm secretly sort of building up a collection of physical games that have been converted from video games i think i've got about 14 so far wow uh, that's impressive dark souls bloodborne uh, bioshock the siege of columbia which is a one versus one miniatures battle game uh, based in bioshock infinite assassin's creed arena the sort of assassination game gears war which is a very very good co-op game doom which is very very good as well and there's a few other things that escaped me but yeah have you played portal by chance the board game portal the uncooperative cake acquisition game that's the I, one i do own it i haven't played it yet i had I, a very bad experience with that out really? and i just did not nobody understood it and about a half an hour went by and we're like yeah we've been playing this for a while still don't know what we're doing <laughs> i'm hoping super hot's not anything like that <laughs> i would hope not I, I i've been told it's hard but be, just in order to beat it not because mechanically it's difficult right. and if it's a micro deck builder like it says well i've played a lot of deck builders in fact one i played this weekend which i really enjoyed was hero realms which is the fantasy version of star realms which mm. is on steam and also available on ios and it's a deck builder with some theme because let's be honest dominion which is maybe the godfather of all deck builders has mm. the theme of a plank of wood it is dull in that respect it's like oh there's a village and this is a gate and this is a port and none of the mechanics really relate in any way to the names of what these things are so the theme is so very loose but mechanically it's such a good game with so much replayability these guys these guys white wolf uh, this is their third game they've released and it's probably their best one yet it's very similar to star realms but it also expands out to six players if you want with a bunch of different game modes which is kind of neat and just out of the box which is a 20 dollars box at most you can just play a different game every time 1v1 the best way to do it although we did try for three player free for all which worked pretty well and it's mostly you start with a deck of shit make a better one by <laughs> buying stuff from the market in the middle and then murder people with it simple mm -hmm. as that really easy to teach really quick to play some of the combos you can put together are sickeningly good. Very, very fun. Enjoyed it a lot. Played hours of it at CoxCon and had a blast with it. So is there like a like a board game publisher that you go to if your video game does well and you want to port it? Or are most of these done like in-house and then manufactured elsewhere? Or... There's a lot of Kickstarters that support it. There are definitely board game publishers that you can take a game to and they will make it. But of course, they've got to believe they'll sell enough copies so one of the big problems with board games is that something will become successful that they didn't realize and literally there'll be no physical copies of it there anymore yeah uh there was an issue with there's a game called gloomhaven which is an incredibly good dungeon crawler with like 95 scenarios a huge campaign and a lockable hero class and all sorts of crazy shit and they did the kickstarter for it sold the whole thing through produced a few more copies they all sold out then of course the price of the board game skyrocketed because yeah. there was a limited supply it went up to 400 dollars for the thing or something when it was about a hundred dollar game so they did another kickstarter and is right this is for a second reprint and at that point it's not even really a kickstarter it's just buy a copy because this is the yeah. only way you're going to get it right there's a lot you of that happening in the board game space right now it reminds me actually there is this uh like pseudo super fight slash cards against humanity style game called uh, the meta game ah uh, yeah, that, that yeah 
I so basically you draw like two cards and then two people have a debate over you know what, what's a better video game Spelunky or Half-Life right uh-huh. and then there's there's a rule set I bought it in 2012 because I became kind of like enamored with it but they were sold out of copies so I had to buy it from the Museum of Modern Art online <laughs> in New York City and it was like $98 for, for like a $30 <laughs> card game it's just yeah. it's just like two decks of cards it Damn. does happen a lot. The, I will say Tabletop Simulator has proven a great way to play those games without paying through your absolute nose uh, to scalpers. Scalping has become an increasingly big problem. If a company thinks something's going to be big and it's only going to be a limited print, they'll buy like five or ten copies and then sit on them and try and sell them for double the price. There's yeah. obviously a, you know, there's a lot of older board gamers that have a lot of disposable income. Like, yeah, I'll actually pay double price for this. Because it may go up in value. It's a physical item. A lot of these board games do go up in value, especially if you keep them in good condition rather than video games, which, at least in the digital space, will never go up in value. Yeah. And probably, I mean, they'll probably just never happen again. Now that digital is a thing, it used yeah. to be that games would go up in value because there was a limited supply of them, but that's not the case for any video game now, really. Outside of the collector's editions, of course. Surprised they haven't worked out some kind of a licensing deal with Tabletop Sim that they get official versions of games sponsored through if that. you have. Um, I, uh, yeah, so so there are there is official DLC for it that you can buy. One of the, actually the best games of last year, which was Scythe, that won huge numbers of awards, had an official version on Tabletop Sim for a good mm. year. That's like $8, only the host needs it. It's all good quality models, high quality art. A lot of the stuff in Tabletop Sim is obviously kind of poor quality scans yeah. and stuff that's maybe incomplete. I mean, I'd encourage most board game publishers to do that but of course some of them are making their own apps which is fine right. if your app doesn't suck as modi yeah. it always seems like <laughs> a lot of yours do yeah it it annoys me because and this is not totally fair and is partly based in a position of ignorance but all board games are just like a collection of rules most of which can be emulated programmatically so easily that it's just like you know a turn consists of like these three phases just like a hard code the rule set and then some of them are going to have a ton of assets and some of them aren't but it Mm -hmm. it just seems like the kind of thing where it's so relatively easy to port a lot of board games to digital spaces that they just don't end up happening and it makes me kind of shake my head yeah there's there's more of it happening especially with ios being a kind of fairly prevalent place to play card and board games but a lot of those apps, they're very badly made, many of them. Uh, a lot of the Days of Wonder apps suck. A lot of the Asmodee apps suck. When we tried to pay, play Colt Express with Cry's crew, I had to apologize to all of them for making them buy it because it was. <laughs> we all refunded <laughs> no. it after the session. We all refunded it. Because, like, look, Colt Express is an amazing game, but this app is absolutely awful. And we, we just need better. Like, a lot of them deserve better. I, what I think would be great. And this is for a studio that has the competence to do it. Set yourselves up as the guys that are the go-to guys for making good versions of board games. And those publishers come to you and they say, we want a digital version of our board game that runs on iOS and PC and is good, make it. Mm. And that they that should be their expertise. Uh, to some extent, I think Playdeck is kind of doing that. Because uh, they did a very good version of Ascension of the Penny Arcade game and I think a couple of other things as well. So they may be going down that route. You said that was Playdeck? Playdeck, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Play D-E-K. Oh, yeah, they, they did, did the uh, Twilight Struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what yes. I was just looking at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just need a few it more also, companies that could do that. Like, it seems like it would be nice. I mean, this is now like perfect world situation, but even to just 
give you a digital copy that you could play to learn the game you get for, I mean, if you're already paying like 50 or 60 bucks for the board game, sometimes giving you like the app for iOS for free might not be a huge ask. And then that just like, you could play through it with the people at your table instead of one person reading like a 20 page book and then relating what's important. And maybe you guys start by learning the wrong rules and eventually you go back and like troubleshoot it and see what's wrong. Just seems like a good teaching tool for like, these uh these games that have a lot of complex interactions there are increasing numbers of games that have app companion apps the concern that the board game community has about that is that eventually those companion apps won't work anymore especially Uh, if they're only ios if the android probably won't be a problem because there'll be emulators on pc that will keep it running for all time but with ios that's not going to be the case i mean we just saw that a bunch of 32-bit games don't work anymore it's yeah. huge numbers of games, in fact. So if your app is a 32-bit app and your app breaks, if your game's reliant on that app, you're in trouble. There aren't all that many games that are reliant on them. XCOM is. You have oh. to use the app for that because it's a real-time game, and the app is what controls that. Most of them are just optional, though. And I think probably stick with that unless there are very specific circumstances in which you absolutely have to have an app. And if you do have to have an app, make it run on Windows as well so that we don't have to worry about it eventually not working anymore and make our games worthless. That would be good. Did you uh, did you happen to check out the This War of Mine board game as well? Didn't have the chance. I have been told it's pretty good, although yeah. whether or not you play board games to be horribly depressed by the realities of war, I'm not so <laughs> sure about that, but... <laughs> it's i don't know i've heard good things about it up to this point though yeah i was just mostly curious i'm looking at this uh boardgamegeek.com website it's an excellent website it's very very good the star rating system generally won't lead you astray although do look at what they mean by that because some of them are like oh yes you know the best board game that exists is like a game from 30 years ago that maybe has extremely heavy mechanics that are not in any way suitable for a new player. But when you click the entry on board game, it gives you a huge amount of information, including like aggregate heaviness rating, which indicates how tricky it is. All of the mechanics are usually put in there. So if like, I hate deck building, it's like, well, this game's got deck building in it. Maybe don't play that. Uh, And all that sort of thing. It's an incredibly useful website. It's very, very good. It generally hasn't steered me wrong, although... I've got a couple of stinkers on their recommendation. Although I think it's just I just didn't enjoy them. That's not uh-huh. their fault. I got to know more more about this Bob Ross Art of Chill game. I Oh. <laughs> yes. Um it's got it's got good. a chill meter, man. That is Oh, I've got to figure it out. It exists. Out. It currently has an average rating of 9.4, which I think oh some people God. might be trolling, but <laughs> no, apparently not. Okay, let me read this out for you. This is this is beautiful. Slap the brush. If you want Beat to the devil with Bob it. Ross, you need to be chill. So whoever reaches maximum chill first in Bob Ross Art of Chill wins. In the game, each player starts with three art supplies cards, and each card shows one of seven paints and one of four tools. Some cards are jokers that serve as any color, but no tool. Take one of the large double-sided painting cards, place it on the easel, and place Bob Ross on the first space in the painting track. (laughs) On a turn... The active player rolls the die and either draws an art supplies card, plays a paint from their palette, receives an extra action for the turn, four total, or both draws a chill card and advance Bob up the painting track. Chill mm-hmm. cards give all players a bonus. 
Uh, Jesus. Yeah. I gotta play this. I love this. I we have to play this on the NLSS somehow. <laughs> I mean, I imagine this is probably on tabletop soon though, or almost immediately. I don't even know if this is a lot of because bear in mind a lot of these games are print and play. Uh, they actually don't mm. exist in the physical space yet. I'm uh, yeah, let's see. So there was a teaser trailer for it. This is a physical game. Yeah, apparently it's exclusive to Target right now. But yeah, Target's been doing that quite a bit lately. Target's board game section is actually like pretty okay. Getting legit, huh? Yeah, they've got like some decent board games over there. I've yeah. seen them have like, um, I mean, they had Sheriff of Nottingham last I was up over there. Right game, yep. Um, that medical one, which I can't remember the name of, it's leaving me. Operation. No, yes. <laughs> they probably did have <laughs> Operation. I, I think you might be thinking Pandemic, maybe. <laughs> yes, I am thinking of Pandemic. Uh, they yeah. have Pandemic over there. I'd say Pandemic um, is a better game than Operation. Oh, well, you know, I'll go as far as to say that. Depends who you ask, I guess. I'm going to stick my neck out there and say that. <laughs> take a big risk of offending yeah, people. Not. Yeah, it's Target did pay for a bunch of exclusives. A lot of them are kind of crap. Like, they paid for a naughty version of Codenames, which is actually also crap quality. And I don't think anyone was asking for Codenames, but with fuck in it and <laughs> dick and massive boobs no maybe Show not. names yeah <laughs> <laughs> that actually took a second to click yeah <laughs> yeah I, I had to put my canadian translator on there for a second and i got it <laughs> but some of the stuff they do have is good it is a bit of a fuck you to people that don't have a target nearby or a target that doesn't yeah distribute i don't know what the deals are in europe i imagine there's just a different distributor over there if they're exclusive to the u.s that's pretty stupid hmm that would suck. What else has everyone been playing this week? Let's throw some more video Ooh. games at the wall and see what sticks, eh? I got a couple. Uh, yeah, got? August is like the month of early access games finally hitting 1.0. So I've been playing a bunch of those. Uh, Long Dark hits 1.0 mm -hmm. in August 1st. The story mode hits. Uh, I recently went back to that. That game has changed drastically and is still excellent. Uh, if you love survival games, play that. Yeah. Um, but the one that I, I we were talking about a little bit off camera is um, surprisingly next week, Slime Rancher hits 1.0. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah, been talking along quite nicely in early access, isn't it? It is. It is an incredibly polished game that is nowhere near ready to be launched, oh, in my opinion. Okay. Um, it has. If you know what you're doing, it has about four to five hours of content. Right. If you don't know what you're doing, maybe seven. The game is in, like super polished. Uh, it is really really fun, but it's shallow. Like there's not. Once you have your like your slime, uh, kind of just churning out money for you there's really not much to the game unlike a game where in say the closest thing i could think of that's recent is stardew valley that game is is super deep has like a, a story um and there's a lot of emotional connections to the characters and is still really fun in the farming aspect where slime rancher feels like a very polished vertical slice of of what could be but isn't ready and i i know the guy has said like don't worry after 1.0 we're gonna do a lot of content updates and add more to the game but then my answer is like why are you going 1.0 yeah, yeah don't do 1.0 then i mean it was it feels a like... fairly similar thing to arc although arc had been developing for even longer than that yeah but it still yeah. has performance issues and major bugs so why go 1.0 then what it, what is the purpose if mm -hmm. anything is it just to get on the front page of steam again that's what that's that's my question i'm like you only get one launch like you're only gonna right. get to do this once and then it doesn't matter if you launch this amazing content patch uh, like six months later, only a fraction of the people are going to come back and play it. Yeah. And I, I, Nick, I know you, you kind of have similar. Yeah. No, I, 
Totally agree. I went through it and loved it. And I feel like this would be a huge missed opportunity. Uh, the people that enjoy the game will be excited for it whenever 1.0 happens. So don't blow your first impression if you can. Right? Right. Uh, the way the gameplay loop is structured, it's very simple. Uh, essentially, you start at your base, you go out looking for slimes, you bring them back, uh, capture them, and then basically use them to produce money, which then goes into this stock account, essentially, which you can use to play the stock market and try to turn whatever you have into more money. Um, and over the course of that, you sort of build up this homestead. And then eventually the, the second act is, is essentially when the uh, workshop opens up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of as far as the whole loop goes. Uh, you open up the workshop and then you just keep exploring. And then you eventually find out there's like six areas that aren't in the game yet. Oh. And at that point you go, oh, well, this is great, but it just needs more content. Well, so, yeah. I, I think if you have very specifically said in the game there are six areas not available yet and then said, oh, we're going 1.0, you don't have an excuse anymore. You said they were going to be there. You can't go 1.0 without them being there. That was mm. promised. That was a promised feature set. If you're not doing that, in my opinion, at that point, you're scamming people. And that's not okay. It's it's such a it's such a disappointment that I like because I adore what's there. I think what is there is a great like groundwork for an awesome like farming simulator type thing yeah. uh in in the vein of stardew valley or or harvest moon but the the depth is just isn't there because once you have your money rolling there's just nothing else to do like you're like all right well i've built out this this slime rancher area i have all the slimes and it took me a, f a few hours but you know after a little while like you've got you've got what you need and now there's really not much else going on and it kind of sucks we're in a game like stardew valley like i've got 40 plus hours in that game and i still haven't been and i loved that game there's so much going yeah, on there a lot of content um where slime rancher just is lacking that content and the the general like the best thing about it i thought was the exploration element the fact that there's all these little nooks and crannies and stuff that you don't know quite what it's going to unlock there's like giant slimes you've got to feed stuff to and then they'll open up an area and once you've seen a few of those you kind of go oh well there's just like a lot of sparse other areas with nothing in them yeah I want more content. I, I love the game. It's got great potential, but like, don't release it yet, please. <laughs> it's not ready. It it's ready. not ready. So learning that was hitting 1.0 was kind of a, a downer just because I, I feel like there's a lot of, like you said, wasted potential there. Um, but it's good. Thank you very much. And the Ryan, only other game that. I've been playing that I know Bear has been playing uh, is Kingsway, which is officially out. Oh, yeah. yes, that thing. That's, uh, that hey. thing is about <laughs> right. This The game actually confuses me. So if you don't know what Kingsway is it's um it's from the well, duck game guy right i have no it, idea actually i, I, I got thought it, through it was swim. Yeah. it might be so king's way is like a roguelite rpg um where it's presented as like a an old windows like 3.1 or windows 95 os system everything mm -hmm. is presented in these old pop-up windows and it takes over your monitor and it looks like an old os and everything you click on like if you want music you got to double click on like the music icon it shows the music playlist. player yeah it's really really it's really unique in the way it's presented the thing is i can't tell if i like the game because it's presented uniquely or if the game's actually good yeah i'm, dude, exactly. I, I'm not convinced that the game is good yet from watching it that's, I, I, that's what i i feel like i've put about an hour and a half two hours into the game and i go back and i'm like man this is incredibly unique but i don't know if it's good <laughs> like i can't tell if i'm just having fun with it because it's really weirdly presented and it's hitting a weird nostalgia thing for me from growing up on Maybe. like old Windows systems, or if like the mechanics are actually decent. And I, I err on the side of I think it's just unique, and uh -huh. I think once it wears off, I'm not going to have a good time with it. 
Um, and that's the but, question, is it? It's what a ten dollar game by the sounds of it. Will that gimmick and let's call it what it is a gimmick yeah, outstay gimmick. It's, it's welcome, or will it give you enough play to say, yeah, that was worth the ten bucks? Especially since we are, you know, we look for unique stuff because we we're all played out, fucking grizzled, jaded, <laughs> horrible people, and we're looking for something different and to recapture our misspent youth rather than face the cold, crushing reality of age. <laughs> It's, it's interesting, too, because their combat is like you just click attack and wait for a bar to go and then it attacks. But they kind of do this like Undertale thing where depending on the enemy, the the window of the monster will move in a pattern. So you got to like yeah. hit attack and, and like while it moves and stuff. But even then, that's not a lot of a lot of depth. You're still I mean, just hitting a, the same button yes. as it moves. And I'm There's like, a huge potential for meta fuckery in that game. Yeah. And and if don't, they don't do it. that, then I think it they're does, missing the point. Little. Entirely. A little. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't do it a lot. Like, 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 uh, you said, there's a lot of potential for it, but they only kind of do it a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, like, shame. I feel like they could have monsters that, and maybe there is later in the game, but like, completely fuck with the OS Stop and make the OS like glitching and like and crashing and blue screen and like do cool shit like pull files from your real file system yeah. and then start. To <laughs> yeah, that like that would no. be so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. Gotta play Pony Island, if you haven't, they do all that stuff. Pony Island's great that. for that. Yeah, I loved Pony Island. So I don't know, Barry. You said you feel the same way. Yeah, I do, man. Like it's weird. I have seven hours in this game. I just realized. So I've been playing it a lot, and I feel exactly the same way. It's like, do I like this or do I just like the novelty of it? It's yeah. it's so confusing. But I think I do like it at this point, and. I do agree, however, that like there's a lot of wasted opportunity because I, I've managed to beat it once, and it's pretty tough too. Like it took me a while to actually be able to beat it, uh, but getting through to basically what I figured out was the end. There's not a lot more as far as like the fuckery with the screens moving things around, trying to make it more varied. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do like what they've done with it though, because they have a, a decent variety of enemies where there's like these guys that will show up and sit still, but they'll summon these other tentacles that will like be moving around the screens. You have to deal with those simultaneously. There's like bosses that are multi-parts that you have to, you know, concentrate on different elements at the same time to be able to take out. So they do a little bit with it, but now that we're talking about it, I definitely would have liked to see a lot more because that is like, it's a really neat feature of the game and they don't really capitalize it on that all that much. Yeah. And I, f- I find myself forgiving things that are actually annoying and obnoxious about the game because it's presented because uniquely. Because of the UI, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, like, the inventory management is a, it's a mess. It's a fucking it's mess. <laughs> because, like, you're moving windows around, like, on an OS, and it's like you're trying to drag and drop things. And then when you're fighting monsters, you say you're fighting, like, three bandits, and they're all attacking you at the same time. You kill one. You accidentally click loot on his body when you're trying to click attack on the other one. Another box pops up and then you're trying to like get rid of it while his attack is going. And I'm like, haha, I think this is fun. It's Windows like 3.1, but really like this is fucking annoying. It's oh, weird. Dear. It's it's funny too because in like the Steam description, like literally the blurb up top, it says trouble sorting through all your potions and swords. Don't worry, Kingsway can help you manage with an easy to use interface. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> that's not true. No, no not at all. <laughs> it is like I'm glad it exists. Yeah, it, it harkens back like you like you're saying. Like gives you that nostalgia bomb. I think you can customize everything about it, all of the, the layouts and. It's got it's got a lot that makes it charming, but there's definitely not a ton of depth to it. Like it, it's it's probably good for seven to ten hours, I think would be the extent of it. And then you're you know, you've seen about what it has to offer. But it's it's I think it's pretty damn enjoyable all the same. Like the novelty is 
nice, but it also just, it's like a pretty well-made little RPG, old school RPG kind of thing. They've got a decent amount of items you can get. There's like legendary items that you can find some t sometimes. There's big bosses that you have to take down and then you get a bunch of loot from that. And then you can go to these dungeons and you can explore and find people and have these old school dialogue interactions. And sometimes yeah. you just die for no reason too. Like oh, out, of, out of nowhere, you'll get slaughtered. And it's like, you died, you died, you died. Oh, that sucks. Oh, you like darkest <laughs> dungeon though. So you're used to that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I definitely agree. Like, the game is definitely not a bad game. I just, I can't, like, I think it's pretty, pretty neat. It's maybe good, but I feel like I'm giving it a lot more credit because of its uniqueness. And the game. I think I agree so. with you. Yeah. That's what I've been playing for the most part. Cool. Mr. Rockley, smile. Have you got anything? Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump in with a very long game title Yonder the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. Oh, that uh, thing. Yeah, I've heard about <laughs> that. All right. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Spent most of my week yesterday, or last week playing that, and uh, I actually really like it. I, I know it's getting sort of some mixed results depending on how much you enjoy accessible games versus not. Uh, yeah. But this is essentially like a 3D uh, Stardew Valley, but without any of the survival kind of like long-term stuff to it. There's really no lose condition to this game. It's, it's ultimately just exploration and very accessible. So like it's good for young kids, it's good for adults, it's good for everybody in between. Um, the structure is essentially you land on, crash land on this island, and you basically go around looking for these little sprites. And the sprites are basically keys to unlock this purple stuff called Merc, and that helps you open up more parts of the island. As you open more parts of the island, you meet more people, get more quests, and unlock new parts, cosmetic stuff for your character, uh, stuff for your farm to help you build and expand. And it's a whole bartering system on the island, and some people want you to raise certain livestock that you can trade with other people to then get uh, the items you need to complete quests. And ultimately, the whole thing is collect all the sprites and complete all the quests if you want, but don't if you don't want, because there's nothing you have to do at any point. It's got a day-night cycle. It's got a, a season system. Uh, there's certain quests that only appear in certain seasons. Very pretty game, and uh, I thought the soundtrack was lovely to it as well. It's essentially, if you're just looking for something to chill out to, this is a really relaxing, enjoyable experience, in my opinion. What do you guys think? It's the impression a, I'm getting so, from it. I keep, I find myself really wanting to love it, but really settle on, I like it. Um, it's, like you said, it's mostly about exploration. You have to go into the expectation that you're just going to be wandering around and kind of enjoying the world. There's very little depth to the game. Um, and, and then no lose condition like it, it's meant to just kind of chill and burn a few hours here and there uh, just to relax too and I find myself wanting more like I would I wish that like the NPCs had more personality to them and weren't just kind of like quest hubs um, mm -hmm. and I, I wish there was more of a uh, like I guess a personal touch to it because the world feels big but shallow and I, that kind of bothers me I guess uh, coming again from Stardew Valley which I seem to kind of compare myself, uh, compare this game to. I wish it was more on the side of Stardew Valley than where it is. But uh, it's not a bad game. It's it's definitely fun and it's very pretty. It reminds me a little bit, the opening reminds me a lot a bit of Zelda Breath of the Wild's opening, um, which is cool. It's a fun, it's a fun little game. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I've from what I've seen of it, it's I think Mathis, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, where a lot of folks are just having issues with the shallowness, and it seems yeah. like there's really not a lot to pursue which i mean that's kind of the theme of the game though to an extent right is that you're not really being driven to do anything in particular you're just kind of given this open world to go have fun with but <laughs> is it like uh it's like proteus but with 
with mechanics. mechanics? Yeah. It's a bit more yeah, it's than like that, Proteus, but yeah, but I get a game. what you mean. Okay, yeah. There's a whole bunch of different craftsman guilds that you can join, and those sort of open up a bunch more options for what you can do with your farm, and as well as just like more stuff that there is to do in the game. Um, those things are essentially, I think there's five of them. They're sort of the rewards for exploring all the corners of the island. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, again, your other goal is to find, I think it's 26 sprites, uh, many of which are gated behind quests, some of which are just sitting in the area. You just have to find them. Um, so, you know, it, it's a game that's kind of like a scavenger hunt if you're up for something that's just really accessible and casual like that uh, and quite pretty at the same time. Like really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you just don't want to be drowning in intensity, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> just yeah, nice. there's no fail condition it's at relaxed. all. You can do whatever. Yeah. Not suppose like, well, this is a game, man. If it didn't have a fail condition, it was like, implied failure state, motherfucker, learn it. <laughs> <laughs> don't start with me. This is my house. You know, I will pimp slap you out of it. You know, on the. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say on the complete opposite side of that spectrum, I did just finally start playing Doom this uh, past <laughs> week. Wow, I like actually just reinstalled opposite. it. <laughs> I reinstalled it because of patch 666, I have to admit. And, uh, for those who don't know, patch 666, of course it is, um, put all of the multiplayer DLC in the game for free. And mm. it's, of course, still got the stuff they added, like the arcade mode, which I d- hadn't spent too much time with until last week and realized just how well-crafted a mode it is. It's not just you can play the levels, but with a score. Oh, no. They built new pickups. They built a combo system. They did all sorts of things with this mode to make it an absolute reason to play that game again, possibly multiple times. And it does make up to some extent for the lack of single player DLC, but fuck you for not making it anyway. We, I would, I'm hoping they're working on an expansion. I genuinely just hope they haven't announced it and we'll get our resurrection of evil or whatever for doom four. That will be well, brilliant. They were going to announce Doom 2. <laughs> we added a Stop super that. shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> we added a super shotgun to a game that already has a super shotgun, but now yeah. you can dual wield them. Ah, yes. Yeah. I think that's Maybe the they'll just go, you know, Wolfenstein Doom, Wolfenstein Doom, Wolfenstein Doom. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Right, actually. I'm fine with that. Do it. And just... continue naming them Wolfenstein and Doom. Stop just that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, year. <laughs> the crossover between Wolfenstein and Doom, where BJ Blazkowicz goes through the portal to get to Mars. Well, you that's called Quake Champions. champions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. It. I. I mean, fuck it. The fact that it's a 50 gig download and the size of the thing is silly. So, so you can thank Mega Textures for that, apparently. But mm. the the game, the package that it is right now, is great. I try. I, I never tried it on Vulcan rendering, and holy shit, does that vrom vrom go? Jesus. All right, crank it up to maximum 1440p ultra. Oh, you want 200 frames a second? There you go. Have fun. Damn. Like, just blows open GL out of the water in my system. I don't know if that's true for every system, but it, what a fucking renderer that is. Let's have that in more games, please. That would be mm-hmm. lovely. It, but yeah, massive download, which is a bit of a pain. And apparently still some crash problems for some people, unfortunately. Uh-huh. It hasn't happened to me. I have to amount one of the lucky ones there, but supposedly some speedrunners have been complaining about that because it that game could be somewhat crash-prone. Yeah. I won't say too much about it that, you know, everyone's already gushed plenty over Doom. And rightfully so, because it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. No, I'm having a blast with it. It's so high adrenaline. It's crazy. The music is, oh my God, so good. Yeah, yeah I really like this. Gordon is a golden god. Repeat after me, McGordon is a golden god. Hey. <laughs> I, I'm still, I've got this pipe dream idea and I shouldn't even fucking mention it because now people are like, oh, you should do that. And then I probably won't. But concert, fucking Mick Gordon, like mm-hmm. Miracle of Sound. 
and oh. uh, you know uh, little V Mills and maybe yes. E Rock and a couple of others. Gig and just like video game metal fest, just one day festival. I have to make awesome. it. Oh yeah, Frank Lepaki, of course. Uh, who, by the way, has already agreed to it in principle. So <laughs> <laughs> that would be excellent. I've seen Frank Lepaki perform uh, video game music live, and it's excellent because he can play that stuff live. And his guitar, have you seen his guitar? He has a custom-made guitar that is the maybe one of the most bizarre-looking things you have ever seen. Let me see if I can pull it out. Frank Lepaki performs uh, Hell March at Video Games Live from nine years ago. I think he has his crazy fucking blue demon guitar yeah it's like uh, sonic the hedgehog oh he, he is he is just playing it right here in his studio this guy by the way is an awesome dude uh, we hung out in vegas he is super talented that is his guitar look at that thing he can play all of his stuff live and it's very entertaining and we oh saw God, of course yeah. At the video game awards that Mick Gordon could also play his stuff live and it's very, very good. And I know Miracle Sound could do it because he did it in a dive bar at the Escapist Expo in Durham, North Carolina. (laughs) Along with a um, RPG-inspired folk band, I believe, was the one supporting him, which was kind of cool as well. There's actually a a thriving video game-inspired or video game-adjacent scene, which has a lot of really talented people in it. And I think it's surprising we don't get more concerts with that outside of video games live. I think we should maybe make some. I think it would be pretty good. Especially, like, if there's a convention in town. You know, that's an ideal yeah. time to do it. Yeah, he's he's a fucking god. He's so good. So I want to make it. I want that to happen. I want that to happen so badly. I might have to make it happen. <laughs> Anyone else get any other video games like to toss on the pyre? I've played a bit of Layton's Mystery Journal, or Journey, rather. Yes, it's on iOS. Conspiracy. Yeah, we, we did not expect... I mean, some people knew about it. I didn't because I wasn't paying attention. But it's a full-priced, full-on mystery Layton game that came out on iOS. Yeah, as well and that's as the way I bought videos. it, actually. Uh, just sort of on a whim to see how they did this on iOS, and it functions great. Actually, I have like almost no complaints about it other than just I feel they tutorialize a bit too much for the seventh game in the series. Uh, but the cutscenes have been great. The soundtrack's great. The characters are great. I mean, it's just Layton. So, well, we just lost Bear. Where yeah, he... Bear's gone. I hope he comes back because that's really messed these overlays up. Be... <laughs> oh, God. Should be able to yeah. rejoin momentarily. I'm not touching anything. <laughs> He sent his... us a Skype message that said internet kicked me out. Sorry. He, 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 is, he, he can be right into the call momentarily, hopefully. I really mm-hmm. hope that doesn't start to swap people's faces around. So we have Northern Lion. Uh, Rockley's taking over Bear oh, Taffy. I'm in Bears now. Yep. Oh, right. Great. Yep. Uh, Northern Lion is now Bear Taffy. Uh, Bear Taffy is now Northern Lion. Cats, dogs living together. I mean, it'll, it'll do. <laughs> I can fix it during the break. It'll do. You did ask for less professionalism. So. Yeah, there you uh, go. Yep. yep. You got what you asked for. He still has, isn't quite back in yet, but he'll get that. <laughs> Finger curls on the monkey's paw. <laughs> just the biggest conspiracy yet. Northern Lion's stolen Bear Taffy's soul. Yep. I mean, that's the end game for me on a spiritual uh, level through oh, all of this. Now there's, now there's six of us, but one's there's a ghost. A Ooh. box that's just got Bear's name on it. <laughs> I was going to say, that is Bear's actual name, right? And not... Yeah, that's Bear. Someone yeah. else has not managed to magically get into our Zoom conference. How did they do that? It's like Bear 
pasted it into his Twitter or something. Everyone joins the call. Special guest, the internet. I am very surprised that no podcast has fucked that up yet. We haven't. I I don't know if one of JP's has. I know he, apparently, and he's not sharing, by the way, like the dickhead he is, that apparently he now has a super secret new web conferencing software and he won't tell me what it is. Oh. What? Why? It, it probably will eventually. He wants like the you know, the little lead on it uh, to be better. Yeah. Hi, I don't, I don't know what happened. Well, I don't know why we have this sixth box now and I can't get rid of it. That's Bear Tappy Soul. That was ripped yeah. from right from there. There, there it goes. Yeah. Right, you oh. swap spots and I'll swap you during the break. All right, back to Layton. Uh, my wife actually had a comment on that because she loves the Layton games. The only problem yeah. she's got with the iOS version is that the puzzles are supposedly only playable in vertical, but the cutscenes and video is designed for landscape. So you either have to keep turning the damn thing around, which is annoying, especially if you have it on a stand, or you have to deal with there being a lot of black bars with the video. What do you reckon yeah, to that? That's totally fair. It didn't bug me. I didn't mind turning it, but I could see over a long period of time that could be annoying. I, I figured for like half the price too, it didn't seem like, I don't know. I didn't want to gripe too much because it's like a fully featured solid game. And I guess that wasn't enough to really bug me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'll have to try myself. I'm not a big fan of the lighting games, but the trailer that I saw, the fact that it has a talking, very British dog is yes. definitely a buy for me. It's cool that they're bringing premium games to iOS because God knows there's a lack of them. I hope it does well on that basis, but most iOS gamers will see $15 and fucking bulk at it. Yeah. You know, these yeah. are guys that have problems paying two bucks for a game, but will happily get a $5 Starbucks every morning. These are guys that complained that Monument Valley 2 wasn't free because mm -hmm. they bought Monument Valley 1. Ergo, yeah. Yeah, this seems like the most fully featured, like legit console style or handheld style game that I've played on my phone. Mm. So in that respect, I give it two thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to see how annoying that really is because I know it definitely bothered my wife more than bothered you. I'll see what how it bothers me. It it does seem like a bit of a weird way to do it. I mean, the the iOS thing has it. Do they just play the video in four by three? Because an iPad is a four by three device. Yeah, it's just it's just however it would have sat if it was turned. Right. Because aren't uh, DS is also four by three screens? They're mm, definitely not widescreen, are they? I thought they were close, but like slightly off or something. Oh, wasn't it? Was it maybe the top screen that's sixteen by nine? I actually can't remember. I've used my DS yeah, I mean, long they're... enough. I know, or maybe the XL it was different to that. I can't quite remember. I thought the iPad was a weird resolution, like it's like or aspect ratio, like twenty-two by by nine or something like that. I can't um, remember I though. I think that's the Samsung Galaxy. Uh, my my wife has the S8, and she doesn't like video playback on it because they decided let's have an aspect ratio that doesn't exist. Yeah, let's use that. Um, the iPad, I think, has always been four by three. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell you what the iPad's good for watching old television shows because there's no <laughs> black bars and it doesn't bother you. It's great. <laughs> That's why I spent $700 on one to watch that <laughs> shit. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a fine little device. They just don't put enough good shit on it because unfortunately there doesn't seem to be a market for it. Even when they have really fair models, like you get the first two chapters of Phoenix Wright for free and then you can either pay as you go or buy the whole thing for like $8. It's like, it was that's too a much. confusing, though. Like, I didn't know what I was getting when I got that. Because if I remember correctly, when I got it, it was just, here's the free thing. And then inside of it, you can buy all the chapters or 
you can get the first two with more later. Yeah. And I guess they've sort of made some changes to the app store to make that a little bit a little bit more transparent. Yeah, because uh, they the were counted as like in-app purchases, and that was a bit confusing for people. I just think they need to present it better. I, I yeah. think, honestly, I a lot of games could go down the buy-what-you-want route. I've said it time mm. and time again that I'd love to just see Call of Duty split into its component three parts and sold separately mm. or as a bundle, because I generally don't play the zombies mode. But there are mm. some of them in which I do because they're more interesting. So there are some that I'd happily skip the zombies mode on, some not. Some that I'd happily skip the campaign on, some not. Some that I'd rather just get the campaign. That's very rare, but you know, get the campaign and not play the multiplayer. I would yeah. I would be very happy for any game that does that. There's been a very small number of them. PlayStation had started doing it in the PS3 era and basically dropped the concept. They did it. Well, you remember Starhawk? I bet nobody. Oh yeah. Starhawk. They did that. They split that. You could buy the it as a regular game, or you could buy the single player or the multiplayer separately, or buy both. They didn't seem to pursue that model. I guess it didn't do very well, but that's unfortunate. I think that's a really consumer-friendly idea. Yeah, I'm very happy to pay $16 for an iOS game if it works properly and has all the features. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd just like to know up front what I'm paying for, really. Yes. That's all. Don't confuse people, especially not in the App Store. They're not that bright. All right, we'll take a bit of a break. When we come back, we'll talk about a little bit of news that's been flying our way, and I'll see what I can do with this release list. I'll take an axe to it. Uh, I need to take a very large axe to it by the looks of it. All right, we'll be back after the break, folks. You're watching the Co-Optional Optional podcast, the Co-Optional Co-Optional Optional, Optional Roundtable thing. Yeah, we just, like, convinced them to come here for free because we're scam artists. We'll be right Paid back after the break. Exposure. Scum. <laughs> People die of exposure, Mathis. We'll be right back. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the coup. Optional, optional podcast. I just realized that I still haven't swapped around Bear Taffy and Northern Lion, but never mind. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. Doesn't I'm matter. Getting, it's... I'm getting tweets of those screen caps. One in particular I just love of Ryan just got this smug little face with Bear Taffy underneath. Sounds about it. right. <laughs> this is actually preemptive production because I think you're going to disconnect again and it's going to swap you back. Uh, uh, always thinking, always thinking. Yes. <laughs> All right, moving on to Friday the 13th, uh, the first game I ever gave a not recommended to in my Steam Curator. <laughs> uh, it has, regardless of being very popular and also having some kind of interesting mechanics and ideas for the sort of emerging hide-and-seek multiplayer role-playing genre, which is full of very bad games like Dead by Daylight and White Noise 2 and a few other things, Oh, oh, Dead by Daylight is a masterpiece, sir. Don't <laughs> ever. <Yeah>. Relative. <laughs> I would rather play that than I would you Six months ago, I would have been the last person to say this, but I would much rather play Dead by Daylight than Friday the 13th. Yeah, I believe I've improved it a lot. I mean, I played it on launch and it was just a shit pile. I assume they have vastly improved it since then. What do you reckon? No. No, no, no it's really no, not improved. No, no. Oh, so it's just Friday the 13th is that much worse. Yeah. They, oh, okay. They, so Dead by Daylight is essentially the same as the version you played, probably. Well, hold oh, up. Okay. They added some killers. The best part is they added this hospital. <laughs> as oh, you're a talking map. about Dead by Daylight. Yeah, yeah what, Dead by what Daylight. color is the hospital? Because the maps are uh, actually white just and colors. blue. Yeah. But no, okay. no, it's actually like the, mo the most different map I've seen in Dead by okay. Daylight. The thing is, the, the hospital still has like crows in it. And they like yeah, will fire. fly away if you get near them and stuff because okay. that's like the mechanic to tell the killer where you are. All right. So it just fair. and there's still like grass coming out of the ground. And stuff. Interior just, crows. It just doesn't. It just sure, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, continue. Friday the 13th. Sounds like another good developer name, Interior Crows. I know that or progressive indie rock band. I go with that. That will work pretty well, I think. I'm tossing this giant release list at you guys. We are not covering them. There's literally 150 games in the release list this week. Most of them are Steam fuckery, so we'll be just picking and choosing a few out of that. I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit there for an hour doing this shit. I don't love video games that much. And I've said it to Mathis, so you can do the distribution yep, on that there one. There you go. So mm, the current you. story regarding Friday the 13th, the reason we're bringing this up, despite, you know, just rather than my blatant hatred for the game, is the fact that Eurogamer claimed that the developer was moving, uh, Ilphonic was moving on to a new project called Dead Alliance that they had shifted their development budget and their actual team over to doing that and that that would result in less support and less content and ultimately less fixes for what is still a bug-ridden piece of shit. Now, this was then denied by Elphonic. Own Friday the 13th. A lot of people own Friday the 13th, a disturbing number on Friday the 13th. And that's not just the people who backed it yeah. on Kickstarter. Two hundred and fifty thousand people on Steam. On Steam, oh, yeah, wow. and I think it shifted a lot of copies on PC on console as well. Yes, so they initially put this out. The original story was that 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 Ilphonic had quietly announced in May that it was working on a new first-person zombie shooter called Dead Alliance, and this sparked fear that Friday the 13th was going to be basically neglected. There was a big forum post about it. A lot of people just pissed in general because the game is still broken as hell in many ways. Ilphonic, in a statement, denied that this is the case. They said, we want to address the concerns that Ilphonic has abandoned Friday the 13th, the game, for Dead Alliance. This is 100% not true. Most major and independent studios have multiple teams working on multiple projects. I don't believe that most independent studios do have multiple yes. teams working on multiple <laughs> projects. That, that is actually bullshit. They That's barely have enough time to work on one of them. Yeah, <laughs> That I can tell you from personal experience and working with indie devs for the last eight years, that is not true. But anyway, uh, this is critical for the survival of the studio, especially with the ups and downs with the game industry. Okay, whatever that means. Deadlines <laughs> was started way before Friday the 13th. The game was co-developed by Psyop and Ilphonic, then titled Moving Hazard. Cyop Games released Moving Hazard to Steam Early Access well over a year ago. It gained interest from Maximum Games for a console port. This is like a sort of weird web they're weaving here of a tale, but hey. Always been separate from Friday the 13th, apparently. And they're... Inflorlix still remains a small studio to this day, but we are growing. Wait, you just said you had multiple teams working on multiple projects. Which is it? It's, you're either you're a small studio or you're a big one. I don't get it. Mm. The... In terms of Friday the 13th, they claim they currently have 30 internal team members working on it. I would like to ask what they're working on exactly. That More would be... maps. Yeah. <laughs> More stuff to buy. Yeah. How big is their team? It well, can't be that big, right? Apparently it is. According to them, there's currently 30 people working on Friday the 13th. So then however many others are also working on Dead Alliance. That's yeah. a pretty big indie studio. Yeah. That's huge. That's this a, is the te- this is the Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric team, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just the the problem I have with it, you know, it's he said she said. 
you know, Eurogamer didn't really have any evidence. They were basically just posting about the anger on the forums. Like, of course, we know they're working on the game. We don't know how many people are working on it. We don't know how many resources have been shifted. What we do know for certain is the current state of Friday the 13th. That is outside of dispute at this point. It, that guts me. That game had, in my opinion, that game had a lot of potential to be, like, the good version of Dead by Daylight. Mm -hmm. Instead, they, like, they took the bad aspects of being a survivor in Dead by Daylight and prolonged it. So well, like, it was like more mechanically fun than yeah, Dead and by it had Daylight. Some interesting ideas in it. I uh, like that from a the, lot. From the side of Jason, maybe, but the survivors, like, I like, maybe I'll give you, like, I like the idea that survivors have multiple ways out of the camp and not any of the ways can accommodate all of the survivors. So yes. you're always going to have to pick and choose. However, good idea. it boils, the game is boils down to just like an aimless scavenger hunt, and whoever's near you is who's going to jump in the car. Very rarely is everybody near you. Occasionally you have these really cool moments where there's five people, but there's only four seats and you have to like leave somebody behind. Or kill but that them, doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't happen as much. Um as, as while Jason is is overpowered on purpose, and I, I'm totally okay with that design decision. He's not scary though, because the powers, as powerful as they are, don't lend themselves to spooks very often. Yeah. Like he can teleport directly in front of you. So like he just appears like just like he just like a developer plopped him in front of you. I would have loved something along the lines of like he can only teleport near you and out of your line of sight. Out of line so of sight, yes. Right. Mm. So like you can see the cones of where the, the the survivors on your minimap are looking, and you can only teleport where there is where they aren't looking. So when they turn around or you get near, then the music plays and they turn around and you're there. I mean, Instead fuck, of like that's being not like, even a new idea. That was done in Zombie Master mod for Half Life. You can oh, only spawn. You could only spawn the special zombies outside the line of sight of the players so that that didn't happen. Right. Mm. That would have been way, like, such a simple concept. That would have made Jason way scarier, too, because you never know if he's behind you. Instead, all smart Jasons will just teleport directly in front of you and just be like, Yeah, because why anywhere. not? You know, or, like, when you're driving a car as Jason, you can see the car going, so you just pick, the like, directly in front of the car, and if they hit you as Jason, Jason just stops the car. Yeah, except when the teleport breaks and leaves you literally helpless wandering around as Jason for 10 minutes. Thank you, Friday the 13th. That was one of my first experiences of it and one of my last. So, yeah, that can go to hell for that. I'm still waiting on, like, a good hide-and-seek game. Because, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. Friday the 13th, I don't think it even in its best state was ever going to be that amazing. Although it's got a surprising diehard community around it and so does dead by daylight which i also just like a very aggressive community i've mm. noticed i assume Why? teenagers <laughs> probably they're just they get real upset i mean when i put it on my not recommended list i got several people threatening to kill me which i'm sure would be a big threat if they could you know heave themselves out of their mother's basement but i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> It, it's, it's just, just like, such a why weird are you defending game. it? Like, well, it, it's it's an expensive, buggy game that, yeah, has some cool ideas, but was at least six months before it should have been. If I could, like, never fix another generator in my life. Like, the yeah. game has become so <laughs> tedious that I yeah. can't be scared. For, like, the first couple of hours, I was like, oh, you know, when you get surprised, it's kind of exciting. But then after that, you're like, oh, my God. I actually have to focus so much on hitting the QTEs that I can't be afraid. I just <laughs> well you know yeah, that's true but also the one thing that i think they had over uh friday the 13th is the movement felt a little bit more enjoyable running away from the killer in dead by daylight felt like you had a chance with the jukes and all that friday the 13th you're just gonna get run down every single time 
Um, yeah, and Jason in that respect, you it's over. You can't yeah. get out. Yeah, in that respect, I think it's really important that the survivors have a fun time because there's always going to be more of them than people playing Jason, and you're not always going to get your turn. You just want to so, be waiting to play Jason as you're playing. Exactly, and that shouldn't be what the game the comes down to. The amount of people to. when I played Friday the 13th that I would just queue up and play, and then people would just drop because they weren't getting Jason, so it would leave <laughs> us with like four people. Uh, I'm like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> A lot of it comes down to that, and when you've got that asymmetry, you've got to be really careful, because I think the role of the monster in games like this is to actually provide a good time for the survivors. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Zombie Master's a great example of that. There were, when you play puppies as Zombie Master, this is a game I'll defend to the death, by the way, and should have a very modern version made, and still hasn't, for whatever reason, because it was better than all of these games, by far. Because you had like a real person with a real-time strategy view being able to spawn zombies and use resources mm. and activate traps, like drop a bunch of logs on somebody's head, mm. turn the lights off using a power bar that they'd acquire. And they could spawn all these zombies in different types. But the if you played it in a puppy group, you'd often have a power gaming zombie master who would just do everything he could to win. But the best zombie masters were the guys who realized it's actually fun to like Toy. maybe like give them a bit of hope and then maybe crush yeah. it at the last minute just make a really cool it's like being a dungeon master yeah. you're not yes. there to murder the pcs mostly but most any of the good time horror has suspense to it right yeah. i mean if you take all the suspense out what's the point yeah and there are certain things you can do with the mechanics of a game like that to make sure that somebody doesn't power game the fuck out of it. But it's best done when the person has that level of understanding that their role is to entertain everybody else. And mm -hmm. it's something of a selfless thing, but that's also a fun thing to do. Problem is, you're not going to get that with puppies most of the time. There are some exceptions. You know, you've seen some really fun Jason players who've, like, role-played and done deliberately scary shit who are good at the game to do it. But most people are just like, I'll go kill, I'll go win. Which is, yeah. <laughs> which I'm is also like a good part of this. It. This is borderline unfair, and I'll admit that right from the get go. But I'm like wary of any developer that's always on the back foot when it comes to like their message that's facing consumers. And ever since launch, uh, the developers who I just want to call Illmatic Games, but that's a NOS <laughs> album that is not, <laughs> I forgot, but the, the Friday the 13th developers, Ilphonic, Ilphonic that's it. Yeah. So when it, when it yeah. came out, like, it didn't work for like 75% of people. Yep. And they posted kind of like, a, I don't want to say a sob story, but it was like a, a response that was like, we didn't expect this kind of it was like- a sob story. Like there was the server overload and like, but then also like, and you understand that because that happens to every game. It happens sure, to yeah. Blizzard games when they launch too. Totally, but yeah. um, they, there was also like, wasn't there that controversy where people were like the, the day one update isn't in the code like they just changed or they released like the early access version oh yeah they released the beta version of the game accidentally mess. instead of 1.0 version yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and then they were like well that happens all the time like I've, i'm noticing a no, recurring theme in the pr yeah. no <laughs> it's like this this sort of stuff is routine and i'm like i don't know because it's also news so and some games <laughs> ship without exes remember so that's <laughs> yeah. true but that's not common that's not standard practice no, is I don't. It? yeah mm -hmm. so I, I find myself kind of being like if you're if you're always on the back foot like responding to some kind of controversy that comes up maybe this is a case of like where there's smoke there's fire because I, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that they've taken a very consumer friendly approach with friday yeah. the 13th 
More like ill-prepared games, am I right? Oh. oh. Yeah. They really don't have like a great track record either. I mean, I wasn't no. just going no. for the easy shot with Sonic Boom Rising Lyric, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, you know, these they haven't really earned your trust as a developer no. here. They, they, have, they have no reason to believe what they say. And it's like the, what getting back to the original story, like, they're telling us they've got a full team committed to Friday the 13th, as well as a full team committed to a new game. That, that just is very hard to believe, isn't it? Doesn't it? pass the smell I, test, yeah. honestly. It really is. And, and the fact that they're saying this is common amongst indie studios, anybody knows that that isn't true. No way. Yeah. Absolutely not. At that point, you're not an indie studio. Mm, <laughs> right. well, I didn't know that Ilphonic, I literally just found this out like two seconds ago. They're doing the FPS module for Star Citizen. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, my. That'll come like, out right on time. Well, I, I looked at their like their projects page, and this isn't just a dunk on Star Citizen, but I was like, these guys have like two games, or well, three games that are out. They have yeah. Sonic Boom: Rise of Lyric, which I just love the subtitle, uh, <laughs> Ru Ruby, Me which too. I've never heard of, and then there's that Next Nexu is like the I multiplayer. Know. I, you know, I I was all right with Nexu is. Like, I think Nexu is got a bit of bad rap. Like that was an arena shooter based across a Mario Party, and yeah. what it was, it was actually quite fun at the time. And it's a shame that it didn't do as well as maybe it should have. I thought it was a. I think a lot of it came down to the fact that there was an original Nexu is, which was actually like an open source developed full on competitive arena shooter, wow. and then somehow. There was some fuckery involving the license and who owned it, and then these guys went and made what was basically Mario Party Quake. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that quite a few of the original community did not like that fact. Oh, on its own, it was pretty fun, honestly. I guess the title I... sounds like an open source operating system. I didn't know what it was. Next yeah. Wiz. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Zenotic, does that sound familiar? Zenotic is, I think that was a fork of the original open source Next Wiz that went oh, on to be renamed okay. Zenotic, which is a free arena shooter that about seven people play because <laughs> everybody on Reddit says they want arena shooters back, but no one actually then goes and plays the ones yes. that are available. So it's just, <laughs> it's bullshit. It's an illusionary player base. But. Well, like I said, I don't know who to believe on this one other than most of what they said doesn't pass the smell test and ultimately the only thing people care about is fix your fucking game. Mm. It's been out for months and it's broken as shit still. That is not acceptable. Yeah. And people are only putting up with it because it is a kind of desperation genre that's hot right now and they'll, they'll play whatever they can in it. And yeah, it is fun. With the right group of people, it's immensely fun. But you're having to fight against the mechanics and the broken gameplay in order to actually have that fun. Not ideal. It's not a lot. I, I mean, I, I'd even argue with the fun to be had as a counselor, really. It, it, I guess with the group, like you said, it really does depend on who you're playing with. Yeah, there's a lot counselors. of role playing it. You know, it's, it's yeah. like who you're playing with makes a huge difference. Speaking yeah. of complete and total fuck-ups, Niantic. Uh, this other was <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon Go Fest was Pokemon No Go Fest. Hey, it doesn't. It'll stop. <laughs> You're on fire, man. <laughs> don't hold that like that. Yeah. Anyway, shots fired. And Pokemon Go Fest, uh, which nobody expected to work and didn't. 20,000 people showed up for a game that is legendarily broken repeatedly every time they try and do everything. And against all odds, it broke. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising nobody. And as a direct result of that, the stage situation was real fucking awkward. The president got booed while mm -hmm. he got on the stage. The presenters, two of whom I know personally, had to deal with 
the most awkward, uncomfortable situation possible and maintain a smiling face. So uh, sorry, Seltzer and Anna, that really had to suck. And the whole thing was just a fucking disaster to the point where they had to give a bunch of virtual in-game currency to everyone to apologize. Can we now admit that Niantic is a shit game developer, please? Can we stop protecting them? It's been funny because after this event, all people who have played Niantic games before have been like, hey there, welcome to a Niantic game. This is par for the course. Yep. It's It's what my wife plays Pokemon Go like religiously right now. And she got up on Saturday at like 9 a.m. to go do the the stuff that was happening. I, I admittedly almost know nothing about it. But as I understand it, like the spawn rates were like cranked up to ridiculous degrees, basically. Yeah. And then they were going to have a you, bunch of like legendaries and raids and rare spawns and shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was like if you caught enough, you unlocked the legendaries that would be released later. And even she was like, this has been a mess. And I, I was also peeping the subreddit because apparently I like secondhand drama. And people were like, <laughs> this... The, the game is fun almost exclusively during the events. So when the events are garbage, like it hurts that much more. Yeah, because it's heavily reliant on being around other people. Uh, when, when it first launched, we covered obviously the fact that it was a dumpster fire on launch, but simultaneously the stuff that it caused to happen in real life was genuinely positive. Yeah. A bunch of people going to do exercise, yeah. meeting other people, making friends. Yeah. That's all really cool shit. And the, as, in terms of like an AR developer, what they're doing with AR is really neat. It's not original. It's been done before on other platforms, but it's cool and it's been done on a smart device that pretty much everybody has. So that's great. But as a game developer, they've just continually fucked up to the point where like Nintendo basically have distanced themselves from this project as much as possible. They they'd really barely mention that Pokemon Go exists. They reap the benefits of the stock price. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Then then ran off with it. Stage left. Yeah, you know, Nintendo had almost nothing to do with the development. It was all Niantic, it was all license thing. But, you know, Ingress had the same problem, except Ingress was like a thousand times smaller than this, because who would have thought that a Pokemon-licensed real-life Pokemon-catching game would catch on? Right. Mm. Who who could have possibly predicted such a thing? (laughs) Catch on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in general, (laughs) when when like games servers go down or for whatever reason they don't work during periods of high traffic there are people who are like and i I sympathize with this they're like i just worked like 10 days on and i have two days off this is what i like to do with my time and it's not Uh available right now and that sucks yes but it's more like that's a relatively mild inconvenience versus people are flying in from like all over america maybe all over the world buying you know hotel rooms for the weekend and then you get there and you're like well it just isn't happening. Like I, I, I'm basically in Chicago for no reason, and I might have spent like a few grand to be here with with my friends and family, and now there's really no reason for us to be here. So no, at least I got some exercise. <laughs> isn't like the the whole premise of this a little faulty from the get go? Like not even it being Pokemon Go, but like it's an it's an app that requires sending signals, and if you combine a whole bunch of devices into one place, that's gonna fuck some stuff up, isn't well, it? They, they they had like phone companies there with like booster like boosting the signal mm. and all that other stuff like they had the i don't think it was the f- it, it wasn't the phone company's fault was it the networks held no, it fine was... niantic servers didn't yeah because oh. they servers it was again man well yeah no saving them i guess <laughs> for some sort of out but no yeah. there's nothing i mean it's it'll be a rare day indeed when i defend people like a verizon and at&t but this yeah. time that actually wasn't their fault <laughs> they did their job yeah shit Indeed. Man, oh, yeah. dear. 
I I, uh, I I have a, a dad actually who still plays it too. I have a dad, my dad. I was gonna say, how many dads <laughs> do you have? <laughs> <laughs> can, can uh, my we dad still one? plays. You got a spare uh, one lying around there anywhere? Yeah, uh, and I I think like the kids are still just kind of blindly okay with this stuff, you know? Like that's that's probably where a good portion of the player base still remains is just kids that are just like, hey, you I know mean, what? I don't give a damn about Go Fest or any of these really legendary events or anything like that. I still just want to toss the little Pokeballs around. So they're they're winning there still, at least. But as far as being a reliable yeah. developer for AR in the future, I do have to agree that, yeah, they're they're losing all of their uh, credibility at this point. They've bur- I think they burned it last year. And a minor correction, by the way, there were some mobile network problems, but the majority of the issues were server-based. So. Okay. Uh, and apparently, like, some of the networks hadn't brought out enough emergency towers, but that wasn't really the biggest problem. So, yeah. Fuck Verizon and AT&T. Yay! All right, let's get back on that one. Yay! Make sure that that's a... Uh, that, I mean, even yeah, if so the, the network can't handle load like that, that's up to Niantic that's to no, I'll figure out. Them. Yeah, yeah like, if, you, if you don't think that you're going to be able to handle 20,000 people and maybe, like, I don't know, another 20,000 in the surrounding area basically piggybacking on the event without being inside, then, like, don't sell tickets to yeah. the event and yeah. tell people Which, to come. We should, we should make guess. that abundantly clear that, you know, that that is something that they have to take responsibility for. And did to some extent, but did they fix anything? I don't know. Probably not. It's like with again, my wife is a big fan of Final Fantasy XIV, and we went to uh, Fan Fest last October in in Vegas. Yeah. And then the lineup for merch was so long that they had to break it up because of the fire code. And they're like, yeah. "Well, it's not our fault, you know. We yes, <laughs> we yes, we didn't write is. the fire code." And I was like, "Well, we're not even from this country, so I w- <laughs> I mean, I didn't think we should be expected to know the fire code when we got into line specifically <laughs> for this, you know, state in the union." But look, when the Jesse Cox <laughs> convention is literally run better than most of your events, you know you've got a fucking problem. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it 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 is their responsibility. People do fly in for this shit. It costs them money. You've got to fucking treat them correctly when it comes to that sort of thing. You know, if they're yeah. being if they're being disruptive or being a dickhead, sure, kick them out of your event. But otherwise, make sure that they got what they paid for. Yeah, always the most so, important uh, thing. Ryan, how does Kate feel about the compensation she's been receiving? Then, I she's mostly just happy that they extended the hours. Mm. It's like a Stockholm syndrome sort of thing. So <laughs> now, because they extended the length of the event, like she was no able escape. to catch both of the legendaries, and that's pretty much what yeah. she was in it for to begin I with. See, so yeah. okay. I think she's okay with it. Fair enough. I don't think she gets compensated anyway because I, I thought the in-game currency was only for people at the event. But I think it is. I, yeah. Yeah. So that maybe not. I think they'll hold another one next year. I hope not. <laughs> as soon as any players left, I I think some people were surprised by how many people are still playing it. It definitely seemed like a flash in the pan, but it's still one of the top-earning iOS games on the free-to-play mm. market right now. So yeah. it it has a pretty massive reach and a lot of popularity. They just never figured out how to deal with that fact. They apparently yeah, haven't like to get rid of them either. It's still crazy to me that we think back to when it first came out and looking at all those charts of, you know, like the Google trend results of how yeah. dominant it was compared to major. Really Scary. And for it to have this significant of a drop and still be the number one game on iOS is pretty insane. Pretty big. Uh, basically, we recommend Niantic next year bring two ball pits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that will never get unfunny. Uh, 
I want a ball pit, man. I want I a ball, ball pit in my house. Fucking great, kidding me? Yeah. It's not. It doesn't cost much to get a ball pit in your house. That's not like a luxury thing only major YouTubers can afford. You know, it's like thirty dollars. <laughs> I mean, I you can have, have to a dedicate ball pit. the room in the house. Like, to you the could ball. buy you a could put it tarp. outside. <laughs> buy a tarp and a bunch of plastic <laughs> balls, dude. I <laughs> mean, I want to get like a medium quality ball pit. Okay, yeah. I don't want to buy a tarp well, and put a bunch start of at the bottom and work your way up. Quality ball pit, you know, no poisonous plastic from China, preferably. You know, something yeah. that isn't going to kill you or give you like horrible skin rash. That's not too much to ask. Yeah. And then just don't pee in it, which is pretty easy to do. It's hard to resist, honestly. I mean, sometimes you just hop in there and it's like, man, I gotta go. This uh, is perfect. But I don't leave it outside at the bottom of the ball pit. <laughs> that yeah, also works. <laughs> Leave it outside and put a camera on it, and then if wild animals ever go in, YouTube gold. It pays it for that's, itself. That's some major money right there, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, when, so when's EggCon, by the way, Northern Probably Line? When you can do it? I hate organizing anything. Yeah, I don't blame so. you. Fuck organizing <laughs> things. I just want to. I just want to talk shit in videos and streams. So it's fair. Yeah. That means we don't have to go to Canada, so that's good. Hey, parts of Canada are nice. Yeah, that's true. I went to like 15, <laughs> 16 years ago. I quite enjoyed it back then. I'll probably go um, again. Okay. Well, my illegal copy of Dungeon Keeper there that wasn't allowed in the UK, but I smuggled it in there because I'm a bad, bad boy. Yeah. The extra oh, we got all version. sorts of illegal goods here. You yeah. can buy Kinder Eggs that yeah. you can't get in the US. Fantastic. Choke some kids. Yeah. Yep. You know what you've got in Victoria is the most adorable seals in the world that swim right up to the dock and almost let you pet them. And it's can uh, we take them back with them. us? Is, is that not an okay <laughs> thing? Smuggle them home. Maybe if you live in California, maybe. And if I to declare, well, uh, it's just a service <laughs> animal. <laughs> there was that uh, young lady who got pulled into the into the harbor by a sea lion. Don't like two fuck months with ago. sea lions. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason they have lion in their name. Stop it. <laughs> that went viral uh, and for good reason because it was terrifying, but also like really hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I do feel bad for laughing at it, but it is a nice little warning. It's like, hey, wild animals are potentially dangerous, mm. especially near water where you can drown. Maybe don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Well, she was unharmed, ever. right? So yeah, we can she laugh was at fine. it. If she's yeah. fine, then we can laugh. And then they threatened to sue the news after or something like that. Yeah, that's so. weird. They, they went like full heel turn. Oh, so. that was. <laughs> Maybe don't do, br dr yeah, bring further attention to your silliness by doing that. A piece of <laughs> advice I think a lot of us, including some people in this room, could maybe learn. <laughs> but hey, we're, none of us are perfect. Okay, so releases. Like I said, there are far too many. So I, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that big list, uh, which hopefully Mathis has distributed to all of our participants yes. here. We're all going to have a look at it. And anything we recognize or that looks kind of interesting, we'll talk a little bit about. Because there is some stuff coming up that does look kind of neat, and it's probably worth mentioning. Uh, for... Big list. I, I got it's a Wagamama, huge list. Wagamama high spec. What is that? Bobo I... Tough Life? <laughs> oh, it's anime. <laughs> yep. Mm. There's a, there's... I, there's a major release, obviously, uh, Fortnite on PS4, the early access version, also available on PC. Pyre is out today on PC and PS4. We've already talked about that. So, uh, Super Lovely Planet comes out this week. I didn't really? know Really? A new Lovely Planet game. That's neat. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty fun little sort of speedrun FPS. Yeah. So it'd be pretty cool with that. Uh, Fable Fortune, which we were sort of writing off initially, but once we had a look at the aesthetic, it looks surprisingly fun and a bit cute which is the Fable card game. 
Uh, it's like, hey, mm. nobody asked for this, and why did you cancel Fable <laughs> Legends? Because we actually thought yeah. they were good. But this does look kind of all right. Um, also, uh, there's a super super version of Cloud Built coming out, uh, which, mm. uh, if I remember correctly, wasn't Cloud Built was that first person grappling platformer. Yep. That and made everybody get motion sickness. Third person. Yeah, I did. I did struggle a bit. I will admit with that. Uh, it was. It was a bit of a struggle. Super Cloud Built is the same thing. I'm not sure what's so super about it. In fact, it doesn't at all mention that. I Wait, think it <laughs> July it was... 27th, though, Dead Alliance? Isn't, Wait. Wasn't that the Ilphonic yes. game? Yes. yes, yes, it is. It is. So, Wait, what? Yeah, it's due out. This, yeah, it's due out that soon. It comes out on Thursday. Maybe that's why people were pissed off. Uh, Wait, what like, the hell? It is no August 29th. Oh, yeah, August 29th. Sorry, no, it's in a, it's in a month. Yeah, I don't. That list is wrong. Uh, but it okay. is still in a month. Yeah, that's still crazy. <laughs> uh, the, there's a listed multiplayer beta. Oh, the multiplayer beta is coming out on July 27th. Right. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, they have claimed they've been working <laughs> on this for longer. But yeah, I mean, I can understand why some people might be a bit salty uh, looking at the current state of that game mm -hmm. and Friday the 13th. So, eh. Man, it looks right. brown and generic. It's very brown. <laughs> yeah, I'm not you want really them. sure what they're trying to do with this. It's like, play a tight-knit four versus four. King of the Hill, free for all, team deathmatch, that's the original. Seize the dead, think and strategically use zombies to distract, disable, and attack your opponents using a variety of Z mods, including lures, pheromone, grenades, and traps. Zombie MOBA. Oh, that's Ooh. a thing we asked for. Yeah, from a, <laughs> a dead island epidemic. Oh, it has that lanes. Of course it has lanes. Capture your opponent's home base to win, maneuvering between lanes in a zombie jungle. Survival mode, single player, <laughs> deep <laughs> customized. <laughs> we wanted nice. that. Um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really see why this would be exciting in any way, but okay, yeah, some people still love zombies, I suppose. Hmm. Okay, I then. spotted uh, July twenty seventh, Galaxy of Pen and Paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Knights of Pen and Paper one and two are quite right. fun. This is uh, much more fleshed out. I mean, I feel I feel like they were fun, but maybe lacking in depth, and yeah, the gimmick yes. didn't mm -hmm. stick. So if this does, that would be cool. Looks like it's got a couple of interesting new mechanics to change up the formula a bit. Good, so, it yeah, needed be, to do that, yeah. Be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because 2 is like pretty much the same as 1 with a few extra things. Yeah. Um, Overcooked on the Switch is out on July yeah. 27th, uh, which we've mentioned before. That's a that's a good one. Fighting Fantasy Legends. Uh, mm. I, I was huge into fighting fantasy games when I was a kid, and you know, they are making something sort of based on that, which takes some ideas from fighting fantasy but also adds more role-playing and dungeon elements it's basically a card-based role-playing game with some roguelite elements to it now but still sort of keeping in with some of the fighting fantasy tropes and monsters and things like that and it's permadeath yep that's neat yeah i'll check can that I, out i don't know what this is but can i call attention to it anyway you can try. strangers in a strange land Ha. Huh. Uh, that is a hell of a name. I've heard the name of that before. That does, yeah, that title looks, looks right. You'd have heard it because that's the name. I think it was a there was a movie called Strangers in a Strange Land, and there was an Iron Maiden song called Strangers in Stranger hmm. in a Strange Land. It hmm. looks horrendous. Yeah, it looks like shit. <laughs> uh, I think it's another one of. Uh, I was about to say it's another one of those weird walking games, but suddenly what looks like basically a porn <laughs> oh. game. Oh goodness! No, yeah, no, wait, no. Hold on. This <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, no. So I don't know what this is supposed to be. It just looks like a really bad point and click. Oh, the the censored hearts are great. Oh god. <laughs> I didn't cycle through all the screenshots before. <laughs> yeah, you notice that. <laughs> yeah. uh, major release on 3DS, Hey Pikmin on July the 28th. Also, Metopia is finally making it to 3DS yeah. of the West. We get Namco Museum on the Switch along with Ultra Hyperball. And Sundered, big release Sundered. on July 28th. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah the guys yeah. that made Jotun. Mm -hmm. Please the gods. Uh, Sundered, there's been some good preview versions of that. Apparently something, a little bit of techno Lovecraft going on with that, mm -hmm. I think, in theme. So I've seen some early versions of it. It seemed pretty, like, pretty strong game. There's a Lawbreakers beta coming Another one? this Friday, I okay. think. I mean, I, is there a week that goes by that doesn't have a Lawbreakers beta? <laughs> not this week. Yeah, not that I hate the game. I like it quite a lot. But yeah, there'll be another beta of that. So, you know, give it a shot. I still think that game is going to have serious problems maintaining a player base on launch. You're asking for 30 bucks up front. That's a, it's a difficult one for multiplayer only. Mm. I, I hope it does all right, because I think it's a good game, but I don't know. Uh, Patapon Remastered kind of came out of nowhere, mm. August the nice. 1st. I don't know why you really have to remaster Patapon, I think. Yeah. But port Patapon is fine, because it was on the PSP. So bringing it to PS4 is kind of great. So people are like, well, why do you put it on Vita? Well, it all, I mean, it's already on Vita. It's on PSP Digital. You can just play it that way. And I recommend you do. Although I think Patapon 3 uh, got way too grindy. It, it indulged too much in the RPG mechanics and grinding versus the cool rhythm strategy combat of Patapon 1 and 2. And that was a less interesting game as a result. But Patapon 1 and 2 are fucking classics, frankly. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm glad to see it back. I don't know what they're going to really do with the remaster. They've been very shtum on that. They haven't been talking much about what the differences are at all. Uh, let's see. Anything else in there that looks vaguely interesting? Wait, is that Tacoma on August the 2nd? Is that finally yes. coming out? Well, that is, that's a big deal. Yeah. Apparently it made it through certification today. Ah, very cool. Yeah, we've been waiting a long time for that one. We'll see how that one comes along. I'm interested in giving it a shot. Canadian football 2017 comes out <laughs> what? tomorrow. What? What's Hell the difference between yes. Canadian football and football? This is not a joke. Canadian football has three downs and the field is 10 yards longer. Really? I yeah. didn't know that there was a bear in mind. We're talking Ow. about American football here, a version of American football. Yes, I had no for, idea yeah. there was a Canadian version of American football that was different. It is, I know it sounds like a joke that it would be the same game, but the field's a little bit longer and they have three downs. It's, <laughs> that's literally what it is, though. That's hilarious. I mean, we have rugby league and rugby union, which to sort of a casual perspective is like, what the fuck is the difference? And then it's always like, well, let me tell you for three hours as to why league is spirit union, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, well, yeah, that's a video the, game. Do you watch any of the CFL at all, Ryan? Not at all, no. No. And I got to be honest, the, this game looks like <laughs> maybe like an N64 yeah. era. Yeah, PS2. PS2 era. Early PS2. It it doesn't look good. How popular is the CFL in Canada? It's it's pretty popular. Yeah. It's less popular than, than ice hockey and... Uh, Everything is, right? Well, yeah. I, ice hockey, baseball, basketball... Are probably and American football is probably more popular, and then Canadian football is maybe fifth. Yeah, top five. 
can't yeah, complain. I can't believe how Americanized YouTube is. I look at this preview video for CFL 2017, and it automatically fills the game in as Madden NFL 2017. Oh. <laughs> Come on, give it a so chance. So disrespectful. Yeah. Not great on the detection there. They can't uh, figure out the nuance between the two, which makes them uncultured. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Or racist, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. Or <laughs> uncultured racists, you know, they, they do tend to go hand in hand. I don't see anything else on the list which is particularly interesting. I mean, it doesn't surprise me if we have missed a couple. There's probably some interesting things in there, but as I said, there's like 150 games, which does make going through it a little tricky. I, I am curious to know what Ameline and the Ultimate Burger is. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of strange names in this list. Definitely. Oh, this actually looks not bad at all. Uh, the, the king was cursed and won't eat anything. Bring him the Ultimate Burger and revive his appetite. Uh, I was about to say it doesn't look bad right until I saw what the gameplay was. I'm like, all right, okay, it's actually just fucking Gallagher. All right. Oh. Uh, uh, all right. It, it's just a sort of like, uh, it looks like, uh, actually, it's not just that. Uh, it does have some kind of cool little elements in between that. You sort of, like, I think uh, mice of some sort, so shooting bows and arrows at stuff that's coming down on the screen. Mm -hmm. And you can play multiplayer, and I guess it's not that bad, but yeah. You have a bit of a cutesy look to it. Yeah, it's not bad. That's all right. It doesn't look too terrible. I think that is probably about it in the list of what we recognize at any rate. If there is anyone in there that does know of something that's coming out in the week in the next couple of minutes in chat, do let me know so make sure we don't miss it. Uh, it would be good. But as we wrap up the show, I'd uh, give these guys an opportunity to talk about what's coming up on their channels. And big thank you to the entire Roundtable crew for coming and sitting in for Jesse and Dodger, who are still sort of flying back from the UK from CoxCon. Mm -hmm. Our pleasure. Indeed, it's okay. good to have you guys on. We'll do it in the order of Soul Stolen. So, uh, Northern, <laughs> Northern Bear Taffy up to the top right currently now. What you got going on? I'm still Northern Lion, right? So I get to I get to have yeah, this you, channel you, now. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you get to trade yeah. channels. Yeah, yeah you trade binding. channels. All right, okay. This is how we're going to do it, right? So Northern Lion, yeah. you're going to promote Bear Taffy's work and tell us what's coming up this week. And Bear Taffy, yeah, you're going to okay. do it for Northern Lion. Here we go. Good. Uh, over on the uh, YouTube.com slash Northern Lion channel, we got some Kerbal Space Program where I'm still attempting to rescue somebody from the moon, I assume. <laughs> Correct, yes. <laughs> also, uh, what do we got going on here? We got ourselves some, you know, good old Binding of Isaac. Still got that rocking. Uh, episode 3000 coming up uh, next week, so it should be fun. Uh, you know, lying there. Over there. What's that? He's not even lying about that. <laughs> no. it's, all, it's all true. <laughs> I can't deny it. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds series, episode 115, going to be out tomorrow. Should be fun. Uh, oh wait, no, it's already up. Yeah, preview episode. There you go. One one sixteen will be up tomorrow. There you go. You got it. That doesn't make uh, any sense. Northern Lion <laughs> can also be found over on uh, Twitch.tv/slash/RoundTablePodcast every Friday at three p.m. Yeah, there we go. Good plug. Perfect. Good chilling. We like it. Good one. Wasn't quite as offensive and roasty as I was hoping for, but you know, we'll we'll give uh, we'll see if Northern Lion can pull that one off. Uh, hey, Lion's uh, also Bear Tuffy's channel. Order some coffee from madrinascom slash bear taffy. Um, that's <laughs> I I'm I'm bear taffy. I know how to do three thing three things. I play Darkest Dungeon mm -hmm. uh, as much as Northern Lion plays Isaac, but not mm -hmm. as well. And then I know how to sell coffee and I know how to play Rocket League. And those are the the big three right there. Mm -hmm. At yeah. twitch.tv slash bear taffy and then youtube.com slash bear taffy. Mm-hmm. Man, you two are way too polite when it comes to the roasting. I gotta say, that was, a, that was a, like a light roast. Uh, just uh, 
<laughs> a little, little well, seasoning on the If top. you had him shill for me, it would have been a totally different story. We're all guilty of the same thing, which is playing the same games too I much. I mean, you're not wrong. So. <laughs> None of us have actual talent or real jobs. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Matha Starcraft. What have God, you that got? name's gone. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> Which finally let me change my name. What are you coming up with the channel this week? What's going uh, on? Tonight, actually, over at twitch.tv slash Lost Initiative Show, I've got our weekly D&D show with myself, Strippin, Bear, um, Maggie, and uh, the DM, Scott. Uh, I also do a bi-weekly like, comedy review show over at youtube.com slash Judge Mathis Games. Comedy. And then, huh? Yeah, comedy. comedy. Well, you know, comedy <laughs> for YouTube standards, at the very least. So, And... At youtube.com slash uh, Mathis Games, I just I I play kind of just a, a random assortment of, of nonsense. And that's just me. Very good. Mr. Rockley Smile, thank you very much for taking the time to come to the show today. Tell me what's coming up on your channel this week. What's going on? Hey, if you want to check me out over at twitch.tv slash Rockley Smile, I do a different game each week and try to play through it. I think this week we're going to be doing Aporia Beyond the Valley. It looks like a new sort of mist-like puzzle adventure type game. Um, so you can come catch me doing that. Uh, you can cool. find my schedule over on Twitter uh, if you look at the pinned tweet. Um, I also do Roundtable on Fridays, NLSS three times a week. I have Metroid Mondays where I play through Metroid games. I've just been working through them in chronological order. Just finished Super Metroid on Monday. Next week, I think we're doing Fusion. So you can catch that. And I do a classic games uh, night on Saturday nights. So lots of stuff to check out. You can also find me on YouTube if you're interested. YouTube.com slash Rockley Smile. Very cool. Thank you very much for that. Uh, as for me, uh, I don't know if this is really shilling or promotion for anything. Also, it's caught in my headphone cables, but someone made me uh, Vinny and Spike. Uh, hey, nice. Nice. That's awesome. It's kind of cool. Yeah, We, we get will. a lot of gifts at that show, and there's not we can't take that many of them back because we don't have the suitcase space, but that definitely stayed in the... Oh, I think it is a little bit of stitching because it's fallen apart a bit. You know, the flight oh. wasn't kind to it, but you know, we'll, we'll fix it. We'll stitch it up. We can, we can rebuild it. We have the technology. Outside of that, uh, the beans have changed plans this week, so we'll probably we'll be getting some videos out. Well, I wasn't expecting to. We'll probably looking. I'm looking pretty much at Pyre. Like, I'd, probably right after this show, I'm going to be going back into Pyre. Uh, put, I'll go through enough of it to give you my first impressions. Like I said, did miss the embargo, but that's never stopped me. So don't get too complacent, <laughs> motherfuckers. I'm coming for you. You get a two-day head start. Let's see how well you do there. But outside of that. There's a lot of other good stuff coming up. Sundance on the way, and uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that I've been looking at as well that I would really like to look at. Gigantic in particular, which I've been having a blast yeah. with, and I actually didn't get to talk about today, but I think there'll probably be a stream of that in the not-too-distant future, and a few other things as well. As for when the next Shoutcraft Kings tournament is, which people do keep asking, it will be August at some point. We weren't able to do one in July, because literally every weekend was jammed with Starcraft Major. So for a dead game, it sure as hell has a lot of high-money tournaments. Not sure how that keeps happening. But we'll fit it in August at some point. What I can also do for you is, since I actually got organized for a change and booked my guests like two months in advance, I can tell wow. you what my next guest is for August the 1st show here on Co-Optional. A much-requested return from Ms. Julia Hardy. She's going to be coming Ooh. back. The wonderful BBC Games journalist and oh. extremely rude person that talks about uh, her adventures in the pub. It's highly entertaining every time she shows up. So, of course, we've got her back for a third run here on the show. That's going to be August the 1st, and that's going to be a lot of fun. It always is. Jesse and Dodger will be back by then. I bloody well hope so, anyway, because otherwise I ain't paying them. And these guys didn't get paid for anything here. Exposure! <laughs> oh, 
Indeed. But thank you very much to all of them for the time. Do check out the Roundtable podcast, which can be found at twitch.tv slash roundtablepodcast. And the time for that is Friday at... 3 p.m. Pacific. 3 p.m. Pacific, which would Thanks be... Thanks for the reminder. 6 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, 11 p.m. British Standard Time, 12 midnight Central European Time, 1 a.m. Central European... as Eastern European Summer Time. There we go. Boom. Nailed it. Thank you. We're done. Thank very you very much for watching. The, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for watching on the Co-Optional Optional Podcast with the Castle of the Roundtable. We're done. Thank you very much and goodbye. Bye. Later. Bye.